0: Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hart. It's happy Tuesday. Let's finish breaking down the rest of the league. Had a uh, fantastic mini concert going on in this uh, here stream yard just before we brought all you guys here, courtesy of the one, the only Dwayne, the Rock McFarland. Dwayne, you, you, got, you got a voice, you got a guitar strum, man. We are not knocking on heaven's door.
1: Yeah, man. It, dude, it's NFL season's getting closer and closer. Of course, we're knocking on heaven's door. Like, we have a more positive tone to it, though. You know, it's not like a long, dark cloud is coming down. It's more like, you know, we're about to get to freaking, you know, draft some fantasy teams. We're about to get to dominate some freaking competition. So, yeah, man, uh, I, I like to just pick it up every once in a while. It like, just kind of energizes me before we hop on a show. Um, you sent me the link a tad early, so I was like, I'll just turn it on with Ian still sitting here. <laughs>
0: I absolutely love it. Love you, Dwayne, and love all you listeners out there as well. As we did on Monday, you know, went through the entire NFC, all 16 teams in a crisp two hours. Now we're going to do the same damn thing with the AFC. We'll be back Wednesday to pick our first underdog team in the post-draft era. Very excited to talk that strategy. But, Dwayne, let's make sure we're pretty good with all the players and teams before that goes on. So, as always, just going to rip through these in, you know, whatever order I put them in the show sheet. So, starting off, AFC East, the Buffalo Bills, they picked James Cook in the second round wide receiver Khalil Shakir in the fifth round biggest veteran winner it's got to be Gabriel Davis Dwayne and yes before the draft we had to be a little bit patient here because he was already priced like they weren't going to add a you know major wide receiver to the room or anything and yeah so we weren't going to pay a premium for him at this point though man What is the ceiling for Gabriel Davis? Because if he's going to stay in this kind of like wide receiver 30 to 33 range, I just like him a lot more than even these Darnell Mooney, Brandon Cooks types going a little bit ahead of him. Now, we talked about this yesterday. We got to, you know, kind of make our choice. Do we want the upside, you know, number two wide receiver and a better offense? Or do we want to maybe try to get those extra 15 to 20 targets from a more clear cut number one? But, man, I don't even know if Gabriel Davis necessarily has that, I should say, I think Gabriel Davis has that chance to get 150 targets potentially, Dwayne. You look at the Bills, 2021, they were first in total targets to wide receivers. In 2020, they were second. Like, this is the league's arguably most pass-happy offense. All they've done is add slot receivers. This is Gabriel Davis' time, man.
1: Yeah, it it really couldn't have gone any better. Um, for Gabe Davis, you know, to be honest with the way the, the the draft turned out, because I think there was another world where they potentially took a receiver in the first round. I just yeah. think that the way that the draft worked out and all these teams climbing up to go get to go take somebody. I think a lot of the teams at the end of the first round probably thought they had a shot, you know, at Traylon Burks. I'm talking like the Kansas cities and even the green bays, but that didn't work out that way. Obviously Buffalo was picking a pick 25. And so I think um, obviously, you know, being a good general manager um, like Bean is like, he just decided to make a pivot and and wasn't going to force it with a receiver. Like, well, what maybe we could probably consider like the commanders, you know, what they did um, was probably more of a force at receiver. So I think it was a smart move and it is going to give Gabe Davis an opportunity. So with Davis, the thing you got to look at, look, the opportunity is going to be there. Uh, We saw him completely explode in the playoffs. We've seen these big spurts from him, but at the end of the day, we've never seen him be consistent yet. So I'm not going to deny that the upside is there, but targets per route run first two seasons. So first season on 463 routes. So we have a good sample, um, only a 13% target uh, per route run. And then in his second season when he had 338 routes, so slightly less, but out there enough for us to, to look at it and say, okay, this is a good sample, only 18%. So it was an improvement, went from 13 to 18, yards per, yards per route ran, went from a 1.29 to a 1.62. So that's encouraging. However, it's still below kind of that area that we want to see from a second or, you know, a third-year wide receiver. But could he make the leap? He possibly could. So I think he's a player that, like you mentioned, like it, the offense he's in is just so good. I mean, Josh and they, they're they one of the past heaviest offenses in the league. You got a good quarterback. Um, you know, Stefan Diggs is obviously the clear number one. We've talked multiple times about Dawson Knox also from a targets per route run yards per route run. He's not he does is way lower than what Gabe Davis has. So I think you do have to pencil him in as the second target. I think there's gonna be a wide range of outcomes with him though. Does he just has he plateaued? Is this who he is? And even just being on the field more? So for example, last year he was only on the he was only on the field, Ian, for 46% of the routes, so or dropbacks by Buffalo the year before he was out there for 71%. So, just by the nature of Emmanuel Sanders being gone and knowing that they run 11 and 10 personnel, like so that's three and four wide receiver sets almost all the time. Like, I have to imagine at a minimum, we're just going to get to see Gabe Davis on the field 80 to 90% of the routes. So, even if like he's plateaued at this 18%, 18% targets per route run, once we account for Buffalo's offense, high pace, the quality of play at the quarterback. Like Even if he doesn't advance, now knowing that he probably has to be on the field for 80% of the routes, like that alone is probably going to pay off his ADP. And guess what? I don't think his ADP is going to go up because I think this was already priced in. I think a lot of people were so excited about him because they were coming fresh off of what we saw at the end of the playoffs. He's probably going to stick right about where he is, round five, round six, as far as ADP goes.
0: Just turned 23 years old, 18 touchdowns in his first 149 targets. I know in the fantasy community, people like look down upon touchdowns because yards are more predictive and there's a larger sample and all that. But damn it, Dwayne, football is about scoring points. (laughs) Touchdowns is actually how you do that. I love this rant from uh, Michael Irvin a couple years ago where he got a lot of heat from basically saying that wide receivers are more important than offensive linemen. And they like kind of gave him a chance on his like morning show to walk that statement back if he wanted to. And Irvin's like, hell no. Blocks, he goes, points win football games. Touchdowns win football games. Blocks do not win football games. And he's like, I got to run, catch a ball between heaven and earth while homeboy's trying to take my head off from the safety spot. Just an absolute all-time <laughs> rant from Michael. You know how he gets when he starts sweating um, and all that. So, so the with- question you'll
1: have with Gabe Davis Ian is, you know, like you're going to be looking at him at him versus Rashad Bateman. Like, so yeah. he's going in round seven. Had had actually been going in round six. So this is only 18 best ball drafts. This is courtesy of Fantasy Mojo. Um, you guys can check him out at FantasyMojo.com. And Gabe Davis, Rashad Bateman, Adam Thielen, Hunter Renfro are all seventh round picks. The one player I would for sure take over Gabe Davis would be Rashad Bateman. Um, But it could be closer than we think. You know, again, Gabe Davis can come out and just do what he's already done. And if the offense stays up tempo, like he's going to benefit Rashad Bateman. He, we actually have to see him improve and be able to play better. And then we also need uh, Baltimore's offense to not completely revert back to this run-heavy thing. And then the round after that, are where the, the premium rookies start to go, Traylon Burks and uh,
0: Drake London come off the board. So that's the range you're looking at, Gabe Davis. Gabe Davis versus Bateman is a it's interesting because yes, Bateman obviously is a clear cut number one wide receiver in Baltimore, but I think we're all anticipating Andrews to still lead the way. Yeah, which is exactly what Gabe Davis is. Obviously, slightly different, you know, upside there with the offense. So we'll talk a little bit more about Bateman later. Before we move on to the Patriots, though. Devin Singletary, RB1 season appears to be over. James Cook getting that second round draft capital uh, per GM Brandon Bean. We see his best skill set as a sub back, but I think he can handle carries too if we give him some more carries, like literally comped him to JD McKissick, who they were obviously uh, linked to and thought they signed him in the offseason before Washington just you know made their like 200th perplexing decision of the last decade. So anyway, with James Cook, Uh, this is not good Dwayne like I don't want to hear that he's a sub back I wanted to hear that you know they're going to embrace this outer space offense where James Cook is a full-time like running back wide receiver hybrid I understand that role doesn't really happen though and that's what causes me concern with getting too far behind James Cook with this draft capital I think it's hard to rank him as anything other than the RB3 in the rookie class you know at least for redraft behind obviously Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker but man Bills Tied for 25th in RB carries inside the five-yard line last two years. Cook's probably not getting any of those anyway. They're 27th in targets over the past two years, man. It's really fun in the offseason to say, yeah, we're going to use this running back in the slaughter out wide. I believe Kevin Cole himself, who I got that quote from, noted, though, there's only been I want to say six instances of running backs having over 300 receiving yards in the slot or out wide since like 2006. So it really is rare Dwayne and happening and they have slot receivers. He's not going to play receiver.
1: He'll line up there occasionally. Now what could happen with James cook is they envision a role that's more like early on Alvin Kamara before Alvin Kamara back in the day, right? He would get 150 carries, not, you know, 250 carries, but he was out there a ton for the passing offense. And we know the Bills are in a passing offense enough that James Cook right now is going off the board as the last pick in the ninth round um, over at FFPC Best Balls. So I think that's right. He's going off the board after uh, Kenneth Walker, you know, a couple rounds after Kenneth Walker. He's going off the board several rounds after Brees Hall. So I think that's still – that's a good spot. Like where he's getting pegged, it's – you've got Michael Carter, Rashad Penny, Tony Pollard, James Cook – Alexander Madison. And then in the next round, you got Damian Pierce. So I think he's in he's he's in the right spot. I don't think his ADP is undoable. And you just have to be open to the idea that they they do find a way because they've never really had a back like him before, to keep him on the field a little bit more, keep him involved in the passing game, and then really still continue to use Devin Singletary, which I'm surprised Singletary is still going around seven. Like he was going, I want to say, like a little later than that, like before the draft. So <laughs> I don't know what's going on with that. Uh, Because this is only over the last three days. So this is just since the draft. Um, So we'll have to keep an eye on it. But I like James Cook's ADP right now because, man, I remember, man, Camaro's rookie year, people thought, no way, it's not going to happen. At the time, though, they had Adrian Peterson. I think it was like freaking Tim Hightower or some shit. You had Mark Ingram. They're like, he's just not going to be. And then I was like, man, but he's a good receiving back and he's explosive. Like, again, I can't pound the table for those two things enough. If you can catch the ball and if you're explosive, it's funny how you can find your way onto a field. And, again, how we know Buffalo being so pass-heavy. Dude, James Cook, I think at that that price, I'm going to have plenty of exposure because you could be getting a Camara-type season like what we saw from him as a rookie when he
0: just all of a sudden just exploded. Quickly in Dynasty land, I was, you know, electric evening at the Hearted's household on Monday night. I was going through my Dynasty teams at like midnight, had a trade offer that was basically me moving down from 106 to 110. And I started going through the players. So non-super flex, I think 109 is actually the tier break Dwayne and Dynasty of like kind of where we're feeling really yeah, good well, about it guys. was 108 I think it's 109 now after with James direct. Cook in yeah. there and Skymore yeah. yeah so Brees Hall, Traylon Burks, Drake London, Garrett Wilson, James Cook, Skymore, Kenneth Walker, Chris Alave, Jameson Williams in some order those are your top nine guys I'm feeling best about 110 I'd probably lean towards Christian Watson but I'm just not feeling as good about him compared to these other guys fair stay I agree that would be the 110 yep yep awesome New England Patriots my god this is an annoying one everyone wide receiver taekwon thornton round two running back pierre strong jr round four quarterback bailey zap round four and also running back kevin harris round six i had a meme out there that's like the sniper one where it's like the you know three people sitting in a church and they got the guns behind them and then you got the sniper in the upper uh, deck and i had james white for that other people were then adding like uh you know kevin harris is like from the moon like with his like rocket launcher ready to get him (laughs) as well it's a complete mess but at least we we, have to, we can stop pretending like to even care about this backfield at this point, Dwayne. There might be four running backs involved on a weekly basis. And what upside are we chasing exactly? James White is really the only running back that's been an RB1 for this team for the last decade. We talk about like chasing that LeGarrette Blunt season where he actually had 300 touches and he scored 18 touchdowns. He was the RB15 in PPR points per game that year because this messed up game that we base our lives around – our freaking lives around Dwayne rewards an entire point for catching a pass. So Damien Harris last year scores 15 touchdowns. Like that was best case scenario. If we knew Damien Harris was going to score 15 touchdowns last year, you know how much higher he would have gone in drafts RB 20 in PPR points per game. So, we know Stevenson's going to be eating into that. James White, I know he's dealing with some extra just recovery time from that hip injury, but they have Ty Montgomery there too. That's another sniper, you know, in Russia that's hanging out in this situation. So I think this running back room is just hands off. And, like, man, will you even take, like, what are we taking Damon Harris or, like, Ramondre Stevenson around ahead of, like, Tony Pollard for at this point? I want nothing to do with these guys unless they're going to be, like, RB4s or 5s, which isn't going to happen.
1: yeah. You know, I still think Damian Harris is going to lead the backfield, but to your point, like there's not a path to upside. There's not a path that all of a sudden things work out and Damian, Damian Harris finds himself in a in this like work, workhorse like type of scenario, which we wouldn't. We wouldn't even look at, we wouldn't consider anyway, just because of the Patriots' history, right? Of how they yeah. use multiple backs. And now that they have all of these guys, they won't all make the roster. But we know there's probably gonna at least there's gonna be three active every week. There might be four active every week. They might keep they might keep five. And so there's just not gonna be a path to ultimately, you know, really a ton of upside for Harris. I think Harris, the way he pays off is again, he's going to have to score touchdowns. And what you're banking on is hopefully that you get a second year leap out of Mac Jones. You get a second year leap, you know, out of that offense overall. And then does that ultimately lead to maybe Damian Harris, you know, could have another 15 touchdown season. But again, it's really hard to project. Now he could have had even more. Remember this is a guy that played dinged up. So he's going in the sixth round right now of drafts. I don't hate it, but to your point, I don't love it. Like, it's not a guy I'm going out of my way to get like, because at the same time, like you can get AJ Dillon, would you rather have AJ Dillon or Damian Harris?
0: AJ Dillon. There's a path right. to a massive season if Aaron Jones gets hurt. Exactly. Damian Harris is like seven injuries away from that happening. Probably. Like Damian Walker. Harris is going to
1: give you a better floor projection than AJ Dillon, but the ceiling, proje- but they're not going to be super far apart. Um, and the ceiling projection for AJ Dillon is way better. So the others in that range are Clyde Walker. Uh, Clyde Walker Kenneth Walker yeah. Clyde Edwards Delaire, Clyde Osimil. Walker oh my Osimil. god I hope I didn't just curse Kenneth Walker um, and then you've got like even after that like Miles Sanders like he got no competition in the I'll draft. take Miles Chase Sanders Edmonds. over
0: Damon Harris give me Chase like keep going Yeah.
1: <laughs> Kareem Hunt Ronald yeah. Jones Michael Carter
0: come on down No, <laughs> I think that would be where you probably start to draw the line that's about it yeah <laughs> all right last thing before we move on here Mac Jones you have your quarterback tiers and rankings up on pff.com you have him as QB 22 in the same tier as Tannehill Lawrence Tua Zach Wilson and Daniel Jones giving him okay not a ton of love but at least enough recognition that hey we could maybe see a scenario where he does take a second year leap is it really worth it with these guys though Dwayne I mean I do agree with you having Tua Zach and Lawrence ahead of him I might even put Daniel Jones ahead of him at this point he was the QB 32 in fantasy points per game and like I remember when he was drafted I had a one off article go out right away. My point was like Mac Jones could very well be a great NFL quarterback, but he is not definitively not going to be a good fantasy quarterback, at least in year one, because of this complete lack of rushing upside. But maybe they do throw the ball a little bit more. Overall thoughts on Mac Jones as a someone that's not going to ever be drafted as your redraft QB one, but best ball purposes or maybe a late round QB two. Are you interested? Or again, let's just take a shot on maybe your Wilson's Lawrence's of the world. He'll give you a little bit more oof on the ground.
1: Look, I want some exposure to Mac Jones. Um, I like Mac Jones as a player. I don't like the offense that he plays in right now. But we always always have to leave room, right, in our range of outcomes that they stylistically change the way they play football. You know, I mean, we see teams adapt every year. They've been run heavy for the last two years, but a lot of that has really been because, you know, they're worried about quarterback play. So if Mac Jones does really take a step forward, like, I think there is an opportunity for him to play better. The problem for me is even if that happens, like, ah, what weapons does he really have around him to get me super excited? You know, he just doesn't have anything that makes me, you know, like with Tua with Tua, at least we know like Mac Jones is a better quarterback than Tua from what I've seen so far, but Tua has Jalen Waddell. Tua has Tyreek Hill. He has Mike Gusecki. Like there's, there are, there are, there are weapons there that make us think there could be this big
0: upside. We just don't have that with Mac Jones. Miami Dolphins, not too much going on in the draft. They took wide receiver Eric Izukanma in round four. I, you know. And what the hell
1: are we doing? Come on, Mike McDaniel. Like, you're already pulling out a page from Kyle Shanahan's book. Like, and I want to be excited about him in this offense. But, dude, like, what the hell? Why are you wasting this pick? And it's a reach on this player. And nothing against Eric Izukanma or (laughs) whatever. Nothing against him. You know, sorry, you changed the screen on me, so I couldn't read his name on it. Um it's not against the player. It's just the Dolphins have so many other things they could have done, you know, with the pick. I felt, it, I felt like it's somebody that you know he fell in love with as a pet. But look, Cedric Wilson, who they just paid. You already got. We already talked about Hill and Waddle. Like, and
0: you have Gasecki playing the slot. Like, what's what's this guy gonna do? Like, I don't. Yeah. Again, I think Gasecki is going to be the odd man out in terms of he'll be the number one receiving tight end, but I just don't think it's going to be worth that much. Durham Smythe, who they re-signed this offseason, and even Adam Shaheen, who's back. Like, those are the guys that actually play in line. I know I, you know, have beat this dead horse plenty of times here on this podcast and need to go through Gusecki's, uh slot, out wide splits again, but, like, They gave Cedric Wilson, what, $18, $20 million? That was kind of a surprising deal. I think a lot of people expected him to go back to Dallas on something more cost-controlled, and then they add Tyreek. Obviously, Waddle's there. Thank God we at least got Devontae Parker out of the equation, but even that wasn't a given there for a couple weeks. So I'm just worried about exactly how Jaseki is going to get that ball. He is... At best, the number three pass game option in this offense, and at worst, he's going to be like five or six. Yeah, it's going really.
1: be a run balanced offense. Yeah, right. It's- uh, so, yeah, I'm I'm not interested at all. I think you and I both. You know, we've
0: kind of been off of off of him since the very beginning. So, Tua obviously a good offseason, and it was nice to see them not actually add anyone other than Skylar Thompson in round seven as quarterback competition. We already talked about him a little bit, kind of in that Mac Jones tier. I would just note, though, even going back to Alabama, man, Tua's never even had 50 rushing yards in a game. He's a mobile guy, and he looks to throw, but like some people I remember had like the Russell Wilson comp coming out, and sometimes the way he moves and lofts that deep ball, you can see it a little bit, but in terms of actually having that rushing floor, absolutely not. So maybe we get that leap. Alex Smith was the qb4 in fantasy in 2017 with tyreek doing his thing anything can happen but tua again he is in that lower tier it's you're going to be hard pressed to have a too rational of a reason to rank him inside your top 20 what are we doing with chase edmonds Dwayne? because i was saying this when we talked yesterday chase edmonds cordero patterson and whoever is going to emerge as a starting rb for the houston texans the cheapest starting running backs in miami all we have to worry about is Raheem Mostert. I see some people still throwing Miles Gaskin in there, but Gaskin couldn't even hold on to the job with the, the regime that liked him. Now we have no idea how the new folks feel about him.
1: Yeah, I don't get the Gaskin. I don't get it. Like, and, and he's getting drafted like right now. Like, there's a decent ADP on him, so I don't I don't know what is driving that in the community. But I always like to kind of respect ADP and market sentiment. Like, it always makes me like, okay, well, maybe I'm missing out, you know, on, on Miles Gaskin. But I think mostly. It's more people projecting, well, Chase Edmonds isn't really an every down back. Uh, you know Raheem Mostert's not an every down back so I think what most people are coming to the conclusion is it's going to be a three-way backfield and why not you know what's the old adage you know well just take the one that goes the latest and that's Miles Gaskin right now and he is a good receiver out of the backfield Gaskin legit is not a bad player but for some reason just gets buried like he could have been a good fantasy football player last year like what we saw from him in his rookie season but the coaching staff decided to go a different way of course now we've got another new coaching staff um, and they did pay Edmonds not a ton I know it's only a two-year deal it's only guaranteed for one year but still compared to what other backs are getting like he was one of the first backs signed right out of the gate so I think that McDaniel had a very clear plan that he wanted to add speed to his offense he wanted to be able to add a back that could add something out of the backfield as a receiver and then that's what he did so Chase Edmonds fit the mold the other speed that he added was with Moster. so I'm thinking Ian right now um, I don't have my official projections done but I'm thinking Chase Edmonds gets 40 to 50% of the carries. And then I think you're looking at Mostert getting like 30, 35%, and then maybe the rest to Miles Gaskin. I don't even. All the passing were going to Edmonds, though. But I, dude, where you're getting him, you're getting Chase Edmonds between round seven and nine. So, um, and maybe, maybe, you know, we've been preaching Chase Edmonds for a while. So he is starting to climb a little, a little bit. So he's a seventh rounder now. He was a ninth. So people have caught on a little bit. Uh, but again, this is a small sample size. It's only like 18 drafts uh, since May 1st.
0: Your RB31, like that still seems low to me. But to your point, like where he's been going, like even if you have him RB31, you're still going to be getting you're gonna him, get him you're gonna in a lot of these long. drafts. <laughs> <laughs> so even if I think he should probably be ahead of, you know, Pollard, Dylan Sanders, maybe even Jacobs and Harris like it's it's still a point where we're ranking him um, high enough and that's one thing that uh, a a mistake I probably made last year with someone like Tyler Boyd like just if you are in a situation where you're ranking a player like eight ten spots ahead of consensus and like they're legitimately going to be there in the f- in future rounds like don't reach on them just wait next round and go get them where the guy's probably going to be going anyway uh just something to remain remain careful with and, and it's about tiers else's. right yep
1: like so for me like i think of my tier it's explosive passing down options so these are plays that have shown they can be explosive in the running game but they're also good on passing downs mm-hmm. and so what we're trying to do by creating tiers is you're also starting to look for arbitrage plays, all that kind of stuff. But, like, this year, I've got these guys all ranked right next to each other, 31 31 through 35, Chase Edmonds, Kareem Hunt, Cordero Patterson, James Cook, Michael Carter. They all profile the same way. They've all shown us they can be really good out of the backfield, they can be good as receivers, but they can also be explosive in the running game. We just need them to have games where they get enough touches, right? And if any one of their roles change and all of a sudden they're getting more, like we could easily see for CPAT – Right, or we could easily potentially see for James Cook. It's probably gonna be tougher for Michael Carter. Gonna be tougher for Kareem Hunt. Like they need injuries, but I, you could argue Chase Edmonds, Cordell Patterson, and James Cook, they could all surprise us and have more utilization than what we even expect. And they already tick
0: these other two boxes. I wish you would name your tiers like something other than just 3A, 3B, 3C. Like for the Zeke, Clyde, Damian, Jacob, Sanders tier. I do tier, when you like... scroll
1: down. I just don't put it <laughs> – it looks wacky when I put it in the column. But like if you scroll down, I name every tier. What do you
0: name 3B? Like you, you hate yourself, but it's probably time to draft <laughs> yeah.
1: them. Yeah, 3B. Uh, yeah, it's, it's really boring just like the tier. Committee leads. Oh, man. <laughs> so the tier above that is upside committee leads. So it's like these guys are leads, but, man, they're explosive. They could actually
0: take on more. And then you just kind of have – Committee leads. Committee leads that will make your friends (laughs) laugh at you after you draft them. That would be my.
1: my I'm warming a little on Miles Sanders. It's like they didn't add anyone. I mean, I like Kennedy Brooks, but he's an undrafted free agent. So it's like, okay, man, maybe
0: I need to re, Maybe I need to tweak Sanders a, a smidge. It brought back Boston Scott, which is fine. You know, we know Sanders can beat out Boston Scott. Is Jordan Howard back? I can't believe we're
1: no, still talking yet. about but Jordan Ken- Howard. Kenneth Gainwell's there. Uh, Scott is yeah. there. Jason. Scott's Plenty. making more than Miles Sanders. Uh, oh my god. And then yeah, uh, Kennedy Brooks. So.
0: But the so you're right on the Edmonds contract, like two years, 12 million, and the guarantees aren't huge or anything. But for running backs, man, six million a year, that's basically what Eckler makes. It's only one million away from what Connor and Fournette are pulling in. So not the same in thing County, with Garrett. <laughs> during during a pandemic, no less. But all right, New York Jets, last team in the AFC East. Garrett Wilson with the 10th overall pick of the draft. Brees Hall at the top of the second round, pick 36, and tight end Jamie Rucker from the Ohio State University pick 101 what the hell are they drafting Ruckert for in the third round to be their blocking tight end? They just gave Tyler freaking Conklin and CJ Uzoma like 45 million combined dollars. Like I, I kind of see where George is, you know, PFF George has been getting a ton of flack for saying the jets had a shitty draft. And, you know, they really did use some premium picks on positions that I don't, I think they were fine, man. Like there was nothing. No one was watching the jets last year and like, man, they just had a little bit better running back out there. Like this team would really be ready to compete right now. And yeah, they could use a tight end. You already added two. what are you drafting a third one for? We love Garrett Wilson, but I always thought the talk of them getting a wide receiver at 10 was a little bit strange because Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, Braxton Berrios. I can go to war with that three wide receiver set regardless what are we making of Zach Wilson, Dwayne? Because, look, they have done a good job getting him all these weapons, and he seems to get a weird um, shake on how last year played out. Trevor Lawrence had a terrible year, started did Zach Wilson, but Lawrence is the one that everyone's just like, yeah, his situation was shitty. Like, what was he supposed to do? Wilson, everyone's take on it seems to be like he just sucks. Look what happened with Zach Wilson. Has his best game of the year, week five against the Titans. Legit made three to four, like, eye-popping throws. Goes out plays the Falcons, and then next week sprains his knee against the Patriots, comes back in week 12. From that point on, Corey Davis played one more game. Elijah Moore played two. Even Crowder was banged up. We were throwing to Jeff Smith and DJ Montgomery. DJ Montgomery is a name that I don't think I've even heard until today when I was actually digging through some of these box scores, like down the stretch of the season. There was nobody in this offense, and Zach Wilson – He put some okay throws on tape, man. He had that random like 50-yard rushing touchdown that was like, whoa, you can actually do that. Like that's pretty neat. I do wonder with Zach Wilson, man, if maybe he should be the priority guy in that kind of range you're talking about. Because as we, we've done this with late round tight ends, too, like you can kind of talk yourself into these guys if you want to spend enough minutes on a Dwayne. But ultimately, in your two uh, C tier between Tannehill, Lawrence, Tua, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, Daniel Jones, like if any of them are going to finish as a legit QB1, I think Zach Wilson has as good of a chance as any of them.
1: Yeah, I think right now, like, if you had to pick, it's probably Wilson and Tua, if you're trying to think upside. I mean, you you can make an argument for Lawrence as well. But, like, with all those guys, like, there's a chance one of them really steps forward. So you're buying into the youth. But Wilson does have the the weapons around him. You know, they already added Corey Davis last year. Then they drafted um, Elijah Moore. And then now they turn around and add Garrett Wilson. You mentioned what they did with the tight ends. I think the tight ends, what they're telling us, you know, last year they couldn't really come out and run these heavy set um, personnel groupings. They just, the Jets were not equipped to do it. And remember, this is a Kyle Shanahan offshoot of this, you know, of the offense. So we're going to see a situation where they're going to want to run a lot of 12 personnel, right? They're going to want to run more heavy sets. So I think they feel like they have to have three of those guys on the roster. Is it overkill? Probably. But I think that what, what we can take from it is the Jets are tipping their hand. They're going to try to run the ball more this year. If they can keep game scripts healthy. They were actually uh, above the league average and run rate and patent uh, game neutral situations. So we know they're willing to do it. And I think that could help Zach Wilson, right? You get more play action, you get more boots, you use that uh, athleticism that you talked about. Now you've got these additional weapons. I do agree. I think there is an upside for Zach Wilson. I mean, he didn't play well, but there's an upside for him that no one is considering. Right. I mean, it's we're kind of in this age where it's weird. Like used to, we used to forgive r- bad rookie uh, quarterback seasons. Yeah. Nowadays, it's just like, Oh my God, the guy sucks. We just write him off. Like we just immediately write him off. So I think with Wilson, you got to be a little bit careful. Like he's in that tier. I could see why anyone would make an argument for one or the other. But I think to your point, like if I'm just saying, okay, a guy that's still younger could show it has the weapons. I think you probably have to put Zach Wilson first and then probably two a second, you know, would be my, would be my thought. And then Trevor Lawrence
0: third. But I mean, you, I, again, you can make an argument for which one you want first. want to quickly look at Brees Hall. Only running backs drafted ahead of Brees since 2017 in terms of just overall spot in the draft. Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, Javante Williams, Clyde Ebersoleur, DeAndre Swift, Josh Jacobs, Leonard Fournette, and Christian McCaffrey make no make no mistake about it Brees Hall is the RB1 with the Jets should have a chance to lead the way I think Carter will keep some semblance of involvement but you know Dwayne it's one of those things where I would like to be I it's I would like to probably be a little lower on Brees Hall but then I start ranking the running backs and it's like well it is kind of hard to rank more than 12 or 15 guys uh over top him where did you land on him in your uh, running back rankings and tiers
1: yeah so I mean with hall, it's like you said as you start like looking down you know the list um and if you if you look at the way that I have the guys tiered out, I have him um, grouped with a bunch of guys that I, are like, hey, they're efficiency performers with upside meaning like what we've seen from these guys when they're on the field is like really electric now can they just be on the field more and with some of them, like you could clearly say no, Nick Chubb is in the group, right? Because Nick Chubb from a missed tackle scores, yards after contact, all those things, an elite back. I have him at 15, but I've got Brees Hall right below him at 16. Um, we haven't seen him in the NFL yet, but I feel like this is the group that he fits, right? We've seen enough from him in college. We know he's got the receiving profile. Um, he could easily have, you know, explosive plays in the offense, catch the ball quite a bit. And so I just the main concern is Michael Carter. Michael Carter was only a fourth round pick. Brees Hall, early second round pick. Um, Carter was borderline erotic, to use one of your phrases again, you know, in the passing game last year. So we can't just completely dismiss it. This is what I would say about Hall. Like what you're hoping for is it's like Brees Hall gets two out of every three series on this offense. But when he's out there, he gets to stay out there for third down. He gets to stay out there if they all of a sudden decide they want to go hurry up, go into the two-minute offense, those kind of things. What we don't want is for them to Tell us, and we're going to have to watch for this like in preseason. Now, we can't always learn, but a lot of times we can decipher this. if We know specifically what we're looking for. What I don't want to hear is, well, Brees Hall, you're going to see out there on first and second down, and then we have Michael Carter out there on third down. If we hear that, like, that really will suck because then we're going to need an injury to Michael Carter. Because what are the Jets? The Jets are supposed to win five games this year. So they're going to trail a lot. So if he's not going to be able to be out there on passing downs, um, that would really hurt him. It'd be fine, even if they just said, "Fine, we'll let you stay out on long down and distance, but we're going to give the two-minute offense to Michael Carter." There's a lot of different ways they could split it up, as long as we can avoid them saying, "Look, you're our early-down option on a crappy team." That's that's the scenario that we have to steer clear of. We can't have Carter
0: turn into uh, AFC JD McKissick. I will not stand for it. Not not today. Not <laughs> not ever. And he um, could, man. He was good enough. Like he was really good in
1: the passing game. Like, I, every time I go back and look at it, I'm, like, surprised. I'm like, damn, like,
0: Michael Carter was really good in the passing game. Before we move on to our next division, I want to give a shout out to our newest sponsor, Sunday. Does your lawn have weeds, bare patches, or pet spots? Sunday can help you solve all these problems and more the easy way. They got everything you need from fertilizer to seeds to weed control, and it's all delivered right to your door. Sunday can help you grow a beautiful lawn without the guesswork or the nasty chemicals. Their custom plants include fertilizer and everything you need to easily care for your lawn. And you can feel good with kids and pets being around. Just attach the ready to use pouch to a garden hose and spray. It takes less than 15 minutes. And Sunday is offering our listeners 20% off full season plans start at just 129 dollars and you can get 20% off a checkout when you visit get slash fantasy again that's 20% off your custom plan at get sunday.com slash fantasy also want to invite all of our lovely listeners to use code fantasy on PFF.com. We'll get you 25% off any PFF description, all locked article content, all of our fantasy football rankings. Projections are coming soon. Data and grades from the entire 2021 season, and we will have 2022 on the way as soon as we have it. All that and so much more. Again, support the pod. Use promo code fantasy for 25% off any sub. Moving right along. AFC North, the Bengals. No quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, or tight ends drafted. Love it. I mean, only thing I want to really talk about here, Dwayne, are we maybe giving Burrow a little bit too big of a benefit of the doubt in fantasy? The man's proved himself as a real-life quarterback. No one's doubting that. But let's face it, pretty mid in the playoffs from a production standpoint. Five total touchdowns in four games, only averaged 276 passing yards per game. I mean, he finished the year as the QB8. At the end, like what we remember – clearly is that chiefs game and the Ravens game back-to-back overall QB one performances. I'm sure he won a lot of people, their fantasy championships. That was great. But man, when you look at his profile, it seems like he's pretty similar to Dak cousins, Derek Carr, because we're not getting any rushing upside out of him, maybe a little more in the second year removed from the injury, but we're never getting design stuff from burrow. And yeah, yeah, Maybe we are taking the leap of faith that we haven't even seen the best version of him yet. The offense is loaded. I get it. But like, do we want to actually put enough stock into this to actually draft Burrow, you know, a round or two ahead of these guys. Why not just wait for the arbitrage versions?
1: Yeah. I'm not going to have a lot of Burrow and I like him. And there's a good argument for him because of the weapons around him and how young he is. The problem really is the fact of where he's going. And if you look at what the opportunity costs, like the other positions you have to give up on to take Burrow, um, and in some drafts, like he's going ahead of Murray, um, I've seen him in a draft go ahead of Lamar Jackson. I'm Not saying that happens all the time. So, to me, um, the hype is is really high on him, and he goes ahead of Tom Brady. So, to me, I know the Bucks are going to throw the ball. Like, there's a range of outcomes for everything. So, when I say I know, when I say I know, realize there is some chance like the Bucks all of a sudden run the ball more. We get it, but we've seen it time in and time out with you know the way the Bucs want to run their offense with Tom Brady. We know for you know we're, we're very confident right that they're going to throw the ball a lot we don't know what the Bengals are going to do they should they should throw the ball all the damn time but we don't know if they will or not they did it late last season but they didn't leading up to that so yeah. could it be some more it could it be more of a blend they don't run a lot of plays either so the bucks run more plays they throw the ball more you can argue that tom brady yeah his weapons are a step down from the Bengals, but who who's whose receivers aren't you know, a step down from what Joe has <laughs> right now. Really, like he has the absolute best. And so that's the argument for why you want him where he's at, you know, and he's a young player, he's ascending. So I'm going to try to get some exposure to tomorrow, but it'll only be whenever he slides in fantasy drafts because I feel just as confident about Tom Brady or to your point, an arbitrage play like Derek Carr later or Kirk Cousins.
0: Yeah, because it's not Joe Burrow versus Kirk Cousins. It's Joe Burrow in like round five or six versus Kirk Cousins in round ten round or 12. eleven. Yeah, twelve. <laughs> so, you know, that's that's what and that's um, you know, one of the things and one of the holes that came to fruition last year with the early round tight end strategy, specifically with Darren Waller and George Kittle. Obviously, injuries played a pretty big role in both those guys, but man, really be sure that you know you're not maybe having a better chance to fill that position down the line, get it much more yeah, How many, how, how much
1: do you think? Joe Burrow outscored Kirk Cousins by last year, just last year alone. Total points or per game? Well, it's you can get. They're going to be the same answer.
0: Oh, <laughs> pretty much the same player, pretty much. I know Cousins yeah, probably had one more game,
1: but one point wow. per game, three thirty versus three eleven, and it's because of what you just said. Neither one of them are going to throw. Everything comes through what they can do in the passing game, and Kirk Cousins is only what scored three hundred eleven versus Burrow at three thirty. And that's 16 games each. They both played 16. So, yeah, 20.6
0: versus 19.5, and you're getting a six-round discount to take Kirk Cousins. 311, good band. Didn't like him live, but, you know, that's okay. Pittsburgh Steelers, Kenny Pickett, round one overall pick 20. Wide receiver George Pickens in round two. Wide receiver Calvin Austin in round four. Tight end Connor Hayward, brother of Cameron Hayward, their D-tackle in round six. And quarterback Chris Ola Dukin. sorry, man, in round uh, (laughs) 7 We have Najee
1: Harris. Like, that he's sounds kind like of, a move off of like Mortal Kombat or, something, I know, or Street right? Fighter. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: Najee Harris is like kind of the winner, but it's just yeah, it didn't add a running back. Didn't really expect them to. Uh, we've talked about kind of the fallacy and the idea of a running back having three, four hundred touches and then immediately falling off the next year. Like, yeah, like we do see the yards per carry usually go down, but. Usually running backs, as they get older, they get worse. I don't know if it's necessarily only because of that year. We talk a lot about this with taste Seth, but there is no correlation to a running back having a big workload one year and then being like more injury prone the next year because of that. You know, it's when I was researching this article, Dwayne, it was cracking me up like legit sites like NFL. Like, oh, my God respected media outlets are like oh my god like running backs after they have 376 touches and playing in like 14 like how many hoops are you gonna try to jump through to make this argument that you already decided for yourself before you even opened up an excel tab but whatever we won't worry about their flawed analysis we'll focus on just winning Dwayne winners focus on winning losers focus on winners of course but let's talk about this wide receiver room here Last year, Steelers, number eight offense in situation neutral pass play rate, third and overall targets to wide receivers. They added Pickens, Inc. like Calvin Austin and round four isn't completely insignificant. The Pickens one is what's really got my head scratching. Like, I knew they needed to add someone, but there's some overlap here. Neither Claypool nor Deontay have been high-level slot receivers throughout their career. Pickens doesn't exactly profile as that. To me, Pickens is probably worse news for Claypool, but we talked about this, Dwayne. Like the assumption that Deontay is just going to work as the undisputed number one in Pittsburgh. I think it's a little flawed. I think Deontay is a good football player. I don't think he's like a top 10 or even maybe 15 wide receiver. Is that fair? I don't like when I'm looking at the leaders in yards per target and I see that this is the group Deontay Johnson falls in. So here we go, everyone. Wide receivers, at least hundred targets between 2019 and 2021. Here are the only guys that average fewer than seven yards per target. Adam Humphreys, Zay Jones, Anthony Miller, Larry Fitzgerald, Mohamed Sanu, Jakeen Grant, Jalen Rager, D.D. Dee Dee Westbrook, Greg Ward, Nikhil Harry, Albert Wilson, LaVisca Chenault, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Deontay Johnson. I'm not saying yours per target is the end-all, be-all stat for a wide receiver. That's not a good group, Dwayne. And now we have to allegedly, based on ADP, buy Deontay Johnson for the first time as a true wide receiver one. I've been in on Deontay for the past... Two years because he was priced as a wide receiver two, even a wide receiver three. We had Big Ben back there. The problem is, I think it's very fair to say that the Steelers are not going to be a top 10 passing offense next year. And now we don't even know where Deontay stands in a pecking order. And oh, yeah, there's Najee Harris and Pat Frymer going to take up plenty of targets themselves. I'm not sure if I'm going to have a single share of Deontay Johnson this year if he's going to be going as a top 15 wide receiver.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be fun. It's it's, it's gonna be really hard to like just completely fade him. Um, you know, but what's funny is a lot of the guys you just named are slot receivers, <laughs> you know. But he's a guy that can play outside. I mean, he's just he just uncovers really quickly underneath. And with the where Ben was in the progression of his career, um, and with his arm, I think he just grew to trust Johnson because he knew he could get open quickly and he needed to get the ball out fast. So We're going to see an evolution in this offense. I think you're going to see the team hold on to the ball longer, whether it's going to be Kenny Pickett or whether it's going to be Mitch Trubisky under center, most likely Trubisky early on in the season. But Pickett will probably take over at some point. And so we just have the quarterback questions. But, man, like Johnson, there is no doubt around the talent, man. Targets per route run, 20%, then 27%, then 27%. That's freaking fantastic. Uh, Yards per route run have gone from 1.61 to 1.76 to 1.89. That's not that great. great. It's not great, but it's almost at a two. And when you pair it with the target, it's also part of how he's getting used. So, um, like, yeah, is it at the absolute elite level? No, but I think I think Johnson's the biggest candidate to play in, to play inside. I think he starts out outside in two wide receiver sets, but they kick him inside, um, and they have Pickens on the outside along with Claypool. We could see them all rotate. I I think that will be your three receivers on the field. Now we could get some rotation though, like you just mentioned from Austin, which we saw, remember a couple of years ago, it drove us nuts. Claypool was busting out at the scenes. Yet We still, he was still having to rotate with James Washington. James Washington was still getting like 40% of the routes every game. So that is a bit concerning. You know, we could and you know, he could be the dark horse. Austin could be the dark horse to actually be the third receiver, right. Instead of Pickens, we'll have to kind of keep an eye on that one. You know, the good news is, um, you know, for the quarterbacks, like if one of them could get going, like they do have plenty of weapons, but we don't have a lot of confidence in the quarterback. So, yeah, Deontay is a little tough for me this year. Love the player. Situation definitely got worse. Um, I don't think there's really any way to get around. It. And I know, look, Ben, it's not like we love Ben, but I think the situation is a downgrade. Would
0: you take Deontay over any of Terry McLaurin, DK Metcalf or DJ Moore? I think that's his tier. Yeah. I
1: mean, I think that's his tier. That's the range he should go in, you know, so I'm not going to like necessarily be like, Oh my God, you have to take him or you can't take him over one of those. But I think that's the conversation, you know,
0: that he belongs in. Again, I'm not saying I'm going to be ranking the guy outside my top 24. He was wide receiver 19 before the draft, but man, I'm going to move him under Chris Goblin. That's for sure. That's probably about the right range. So, and with Chris
1: Godwin, you have your own questions, right? You know, I mean, as far as injury. So, I mean, if Godwin didn't have the injury, he'd be going ahead of that. Yeah. So, I mean, you just kind of, kind of, you got to take in all the factors. Right now, Deontay Johnson is going in round four, pick three, over at FFPC. Based on what's that? What's that wide receiver rank? So, you got uh, Jalen Waddell going right before him, uh, and you got Metcalf after him, Michael Pittman after him, Terry McLaurin after him, right? But also before him, T. Higgins and Keenan Allen. That's the range that he's going in.
0: Yeah, I'm going to be taking uh, most of those other guys. We will uh, see what happens. I'm sure it won't be the last time we uh, discuss a little bit of the The complete
1: wide receiver rank. Sorry, is like I had to switch views, uh, wide receiver 15.
0: Okay. That's a little better. I think he was flirting with that borderline wide receiver one there for a bit. There is, you know, I just want to make sure that people do realize there is a floor here. Yes. He earned the targets, but as we talked about, you know, there was kind of a funky late career version of uh, Ben Rothsberger going on there that helped receivers. Receive.
1: Receivers interesting this year, man. Um, we've got a really, we've got a long stretch of guys in the middle that have a question one way or another. So for example, Jalen Waddell, Deontay Johnson, D.K. Metcalf, D.J. Moore, Terry McLaurin. We know all of those guys have the talent, but we don't know what the hell is going to happen in their situation. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean, D.K. Metcalf has a terrible quarterback. Deontay Johnson could have a terrible quarterback. Jalen Waddell's got Tyreek Hill on the team now. D.J. Moore's got a terrible quarterback, not just a bad one, a terrible one. <laughs> Terry McLaurin's got... An average to below average quarterback. Um, so, I mean, they all have questions. You know, Michael Pittman, run first offense. They added Alec Pierce. Chris Godwin got an injury. Jerry Judy got 27 miles to feed, even though you added <laughs> Russell Wilson. Michael Thomas is coming off of injuries. Elijah Moore, potentially bad quarterback, added target competition. Like, there's some, there's going to be a lot of landmines in there. And then there's going to be some players that are going to hit. And right now, honestly, like I know we have more work to do as far as continuing to do our research, but it's hard to nail down, okay, like these are the guys you're
0: going to make a stand on in that range. Um, So it's something we're going to have to really think through. Cleveland Browns took wide receiver David Bell with the 99th overall pick round three, running back Jerome Ford round five. That just sucks, man. I know some people like Ford and he's just now on like the most loaded RB depth chart in the league and wide receiver, Michael Woods in round six, there is going to be a winner. It's David Njoku. And if there's a loser, I'd probably say Donovan Peoples Jones, but he could still be out there and three wide receiver sets might be a competition between him, Anthony Schwartz, even Jakeem, even Jakeem, the dream grant, my God. Good job, Ian. Anyway, with Dave Njoku, Dwayne, he's emerging as a popular kind of tight end two candidate right in that Irv Smith, Tyler Higbee kind of tier that we've been talking about for a while. And we did see in week 15 last season with no Hooper, Njoku did play each and every snap 100% rate with five targets. Now Harrison Bryant got the touchdown, two targets and 39% of the snaps. That's our best case scenario. But I think similar to kind of a little, I mean, I don't know how much we talked about Amari Cooper, but I'm just worried about this offense because how long is Deshaun Watson going to be suspended? We can't, like, we need to factor that in. This is not Dave and the Joku with a full season's worth of Deshaun Watson. Probably not. Like, who knows? Putting all the stuff aside that whether you think what happened or not, like, I just don't know how the NFL publicly – cannot suspend Deshaun Watson like that would just if you think the uproar has been bad already like imagine if they didn't suspend the guy so with that in mind man the joke we have to take the leap of faith that he's going to dominate targets over Harrison Bryant this seems like a situation to me where we like the player but we're trying to kind of like talk about him being this full time fancy stud when Harrison Bryant's probably gonna be just as involved on a target on a target basis, man. A lot needs to go right for Njoku. I'm gonna take my chances on other guys like Irv Smith and Tyler Higbee that don't have a Harrison Bryant in their offense.
1: Yeah, I mean, Njoku's going tight end 20, Irv Smith's tight end 16, Noah Fans tight end 17, Hunter Henry tied in 18. So he's right in that range. You know, I think. You're not going to have to overpay for him, but I think the points you just made are valid. We know this team is going to use 12 personnel, <laughs> and they're also willing to rotate the guys even when they're not in 12, when they're in 11, which really isn't that often. So um, I don't think there's a ton to talk about on this offense other than just, you know, what you just mentioned, just bringing up the fact that we still don't know what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson. And guess what? We're probably not going to know for a while. The NFL is going to drag their feet as long as they can on this because, like, what does it really how does it help them to make a decision too early before they have all the information, right? If they all of a sudden decide, oh, it's four games and then a bunch of other stuff comes out through all the legal stuff that, you know, it's way worse than they thought. And now they've got to add on. Or if they come out and they're too harsh and things come out through the legal proceedings that, wow, we really couldn't, we we shouldn't suspend him for a full year. So I think they're going to drag their feet. Like, I think this is going to go into August. Uh, I think it could, you know, be, I think it could get close to the season before we really know something on Deshaun Watson.
0: Baltimore Ravens two fourth round tight ends and Charlie Kohler and Isaiah likely both guys likely to sit on the bench behind Mark Andrews <laughs> running back Tyler I know running back uh Tyler Beatty in round six figures just to be key, competing with Justice Hill for you know a few pass down snaps per week. Biggest winners, I think, J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards. Look, they were meeting with Melvin Gordon a couple of weeks ago, and the fact that they didn't feel any more need to either add a running back and free agency or devote day one or day two draft capital to it, it's good news for those guys, and it signals that they must be at least somewhat confident in their respective recovery from injuries and obviously Rashad Bateman to the moon. We'll talk about him in a second, but Dwayne, do you have the data right now on the dis- on the difference in ADP between Dobbins and Gus Edwards? Because I'm guessing it's going to be far too large and largely unwarranted. When you look at what happened in 2020, week eight was the first time that J.K. Dobbins played over 50% of the offensive snaps, and even had 10 carries in a game. Obviously, it was also the first week that Mark Ingram was a healthy scratch and basically removed from the rotation. So, From week 8 on, including the playoffs, rush attempts per game, J.K. Dobbins had 11.6, Gus Edwards had 9.5. Targets per game, J.K. Dobbins 1.5, Gus Edwards 0.8. PPR points per game, Dobbins 12.9, Gus 9.2. I get it. J.K. Dobbins is great. The group of running backs that's averaged 6 yards per carry includes him, like Jamal Charles, C.J. Spiller had a sick year. I think Adrian Peterson got one in there. Like... He's checking a lot of boxes. Guess who also does? Gus freaking Edwards. All he's done since entering the league is average five yards per carry, like clockwork. The Ravens paid him, I believe, what, 10, 11 million over three years? Not the biggest deal, but... a
1: two-year deal, I think. It It might have been three.
0: Decent enough deal to make him a part of this offense. Like, they love him. He's good. He's going to stay involved. This is not... I mean, to me, this reminds me of, like, Javante Melvin. It reminds me of Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, where we are just dying for the league guy to take over but it's not going to happen. And the fact Lamar Jackson is there also stealing these rush attempts, you know, Dwayne, I think you have J.K. Dobbins kind of in your RB, what, 19 to 20 range. And I think that's fair because just based, you know, if we were doing a real life draft in terms of, yeah, who do we want to be our running back? Go ahead and call J.K. Dobbins a top 10 guy. But this is an example of not, we can't chase the talent because Dobbins might be more talented than, you know, uh, let's see, than, James Connor, Saquon Barkley, at this point, but when those guys are getting potentially hundreds of more combined carries and targets, like no amount of yards per carry goodness is going to make up for that for Dobbins.
1: Yeah, I mean, so I've got I've got him as one of those upside committee league leads. So I mean, he's tier three A, meaning like, look, we can't predict everything that's going to happen in a season. The coaching staff could have a change of heart and stop using. Um, multiple backs, most likely not going to do that based on the contracts that they have and wanting to keep the guys healthy. Um, And then just on the fact that like, well, how often are the Ravens going to run the ball? I mean, I don't know, but they could lean back into the run much more based on what's happened to their roster. So that could be a positive development, you know, for JK Dobbins, you know, or you could have a Gus Edwards injury and JK Dobbins doesn't get hurt. Right. And then all of a sudden you're probably in a pretty good spot with Tyler Beatty sitting behind him. Um, So Look, there's talent. You're wanting to buy into the talent. But, man, there are all sorts of arbitrage plays down the board (laughs) on a guy like J.K. Dobbins. Like, there's just a ton of guys. They're going to be – look, Kareem Hunt is an arbitrage play on J.K. Dobbins. Mm -hmm. Kareem Hunt is probably going to see maybe 5% less carries than what J.K. Dobbins is going to be. And he's going to be more involved in his team's passing game. And he's just as explosive. And he's in a good run game. Like, Kareem Hunt is J.K. Dobbins. And you get him four rounds later. You know, so, I mean, it's just – it's tough to buy into Dobbins where you have to take him with some of the other things that are available on the board. Do I want some exposure? Yeah, I'm only going to be taking JK Dobbins, you know, when he slides. So if you're, if you're buying into him, like I get it, you're buying into the talent and and look, you and I are supportive of that. Like, we want to draft people we think are good at football. Like, that's that's the number one priority we have. Mm-hmm. But, like, looking at the whole picture, it is tough to really get behind Dobbins, despite the fact, like, his explosive rush rate in 2020 as a rookie was phenomenal, 15%, 4.5% above the league average, 19% uh, uh, missed tackles forced per attempt, also, you know, above the league average. So, I mean, he's a good player, but Gus Edwards hasn't been that far behind him in those metrics. Like, he's actually been a good player as well.
0: 2019 Mark Ingram is kind of like the calling card for the, you know, voices out there that say, you know, Lamar Jackson can't enable a fantasy RB1. Man, it took him 15 touchdowns on just 228 touches. Like, that's just not really a touchdown conversion rate that we can bank on. And even in that year, like, Justice Hill was, Justice Hill was their number one running back in that playoff game. So Ravens, time and time again, have shown us that they're going to use multiple backs, not expecting that to change. And now, arguably, the main event, Rashad Bateman as a you know to throw a little bit of water on this on the simmering Rashad Bateman uh fire Dwayne I went back I looked at all of his explosive uh catches from last year he had a couple of great mosses against the Browns in that 100 yard effort at the end of the year saw a nice little shimmy out of the slot against the Steelers he wasn't incredible this is not a Anywhere close to a Jefferson Chase rookie season, obviously. But, you know, I wouldn't even necessarily. I put him kind of a tier below Elijah Moore in terms of what we saw out of him last year. Hollywood's gone. The Ravens know this better than us. So the fact that they are this comfortable, like not only featuring Rashad Bateman, but not even freaking you know, like Sammy Watkins walk, not even drafting another wide receiver in the entire draft. Those are all good signs out of Bateman. Can we be confident enough, though, in him? I guess just seizing this workload and working as the wide receiver one or two that people want him to be, though, because we didn't see that player last year. That's 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 my main point here.
1: Yeah, and I mean, if people want to go look, like you can see the article that I put up earlier in the season um, that really looks goes back looking at uh, rookie receiving grades, um, you know, over the history of PFF and then how these guys have done. And he really fell into the second tier. You know, he just made it into into the into the second tier of players. And in that tier for those guys that were first round picks, most of them do went on to become like top 36 or top 24 players. So I think Bateman is a guy that I, I still like, he's only a seventh round pick. I do think he's a guy like, he's already jumped. He was the 10th round. So he's moved three rounds based on the Hollywood Brown trade. But I I worry with Bateman, people love him so much, Ian, like it could continue to push higher. Like, would you doubt it if all of a sudden we get to August and Rashad Bateman's
0: a fifth round pick? No, I mean, that's, think about when, when you said seventh, I, I can get behind seventh, but yeah, I was thinking he was going to be pushing like round five.
1: I think he'll get there because look again, if you start thinking arbitrage, what are you looking for? You're looking for young year, two, year three receivers. Listen to these names. Um, Jerry, Judy, Amon Ross, St. Brown, uh, Darnell Mooney, Jalen Waddle. Those guys are all going in the fourth and fifth rounds. Bateman's going in the seventh. People are smart enough that, and even if they don't realize it, their brain will start to realize Rashad <laughs> Bateman's more like those other guys And so he will get pushed up. And so then that's whenever I think you'll have a little bit tougher decision. I would still add him some in the fifth round, Um, you know, as a guy that could potentially come off and have a 25% target share season. You just have to realize, like, I think it's it's a real potential now with what we saw the Ravens do in the draft that we really do go back to a run-heavy offense. And when I say run-heavy, I mean, like, run-heavy like what your granddad used to see, the NFL run, (laughs) you know, where they only drop back to pass like half the time. Um, and look, let's be honest. Lamar Jackson is better in that kind of offense. He was better on a yards per attempt basis. You know, he had more explosive plays from a percentage standpoint and he's also very involved in the running game. So I think there's, there's more risk than ever that because earlier we were like, look, man, the Ravens really evolved last year. We know they had injuries, but look, if you look at all the draft capital they've spent on receivers, like maybe they really just want to pass more. Well, then they just kind of went totally against that in this draft. They traded away to Hollywood Brown, like you talked about, added two more tight ends. So we've kind of gone back to that look that we used to have with Hayden Hurst and Mark Andrews
0: and Nick Boyle. Like we're kind of, we could be back in that same kind of offense expected PPR points per game in 2021 Marquise Brown ranked 11th among all wide receivers in 2020. He ranked 41st. So I think it's similar to discussions we've had on the Eagles and, um, the saints and some of these teams that have, you know, really extreme splits one way or another, what's the most likely outcome, probably something in between. So yeah, Bateman is going to be falling to round seven behind a lot of those guys. You talked about Dwayne, I'm fine taking him there, but I don't think he necessarily is someone that we like need to be shooting up ahead of guys, potentially in better offenses with. If you're drafting now, judges. get him now
1: to yep. your point. That's the actionable takeaway. If you're drafting best ball mania three or whatever you're doing, you're going to FFPC doing their best ball stuff like draft Rashad Bateman right now. He's, he's going to continue to ride he's not done rising it's going to keep going
0: we're gonna get the you know otas or training camp report and it's gonna be like oh bateman's catching everything thrown his way i <laughs> mm-hmm. mean it's gonna be the cd lamb uh, breakthrough of 2021 where no actual progress is being made like in regular season football games where people are just shooting them up the ranks because why the hell not but you know what it's fun that's why we do this right when afc yeah. south tennessee titans Wide receiver Traylon Burks in round one to replace A.J. Brown. Quarterback Malik Willis in round three. Running back Hassan Haskins. Seemingly now the next man up behind Derrick Henry in round four. Tight end. Oh, my God. Chagosium (laughs) Alconqu in round four. And wide receiver Kyle Phillips. Oh, there we go. Kyle Phillips in round five. I think Hooper, you could argue, is a nice little winner here. Maybe Robert Woods. Here's the big thing, though, Dwayne. We can talk about Robert Woods and Traylon Burks kind of in this. You look at the Titans' ranks and wide receiver targets. 2021, they were 23rd. 2020, they were 27th. 2019, they were 25th. I mean, only Devontae Adams have more fantasy points above expectation than A.J. Brown in the year 2020. I hear you what the play action looks. Burks does fit this offense well in terms of what he did at Arkansas and then now at the next level. I'm going to be curious where he actually lands though, compared to some of these other wide receivers, because while it's nice that we don't have to worry about Burks competing with, you know, AJ Brown or someone like at that level, at the same time I'm not comfortable assuming a rookie is going to be like anywhere close to as efficient as AJ freaking Brown was, you know, doing this over the last few years. I mean, maybe this Titans offense is just pretty damn bad now that they're leaning on a rookie wide receiver and an, you know, to be fair, elderly wide receiver and Robert Woods coming off a major knee injury. Like Tannehill, it's been up and down. I think he was a little better probably beginning of his Titans tenure compared to what we've seen over the past year and a half. There seems like there's a little bit some red flags here. Again, Traylon Burks, I think he deserves to be the first rookie wide receiver drafted because he is the only one that seemingly is locked in as their offense's number one pass game option. I think if you run this season 100 times, you know, Burks is leading this team in targets like 85 or 90%. Of the time, where is he going in drafts right now, though, Dwayne? Because again, if it becomes Burks versus like Adam Thielen, Allen Robinson, and those type of guys, I'm probably going to take the veterans who I know can definitely do it, and as opposed to taking that leap of faith.
1: Yeah, well, the ADP right now on FFPC is a late eighth, which is great. Okay, <laughs> so Drake go. London going mid late eighth, then you have Traylon Burks coming off right after him. Literally, it's Drake London, Jalen Hurts, then Traylon Burks right now. So yeah, the the price tag is great. Um he's a player I want a ton of exposure to right now at that price. Back, point. Why? Yeah. Because we're buying into the big playability. Is it do we know if he's going to be able to be AJ Brown? No. And to assume that would actually be stupid on our part, right? Because I mean AJ Brown's there's not many receivers against AJ <laughs> Brown. Like he's a hand there he's one of he's one of the top 5 receivers in the league most likely. AJ Brown. Like when you any way you want to stack him up. Like he's up there. Um so it's difficult for us to yeah get that far behind Burks, but again, like fit is good. Um, and, and Robert Woods is a good player too. But Robert Woods, like we've seen him for his whole career, he's never eclipsed uh 22 percent targets per route run. Like he's here, here's his career: 17, 17, 18, 20, 22, 21, 21, 20, 21. He's never gotten to a 23. He's a good player, he's a complimentary player, but we don't have to worry about Robert Woods coming out and all of a sudden being this 30% target share monster. If you are a Robert Woods truther, though, I have good news for you. He's also only an eighth-round pick, which I think is fine. If you want to take Robert Woods in the eighth round, that's great. I'm going to prefer Burks just because what you mentioned, low-volume passing offense. So when you have that, what do you need? You need the explosive playmaking ability to offset that type of offense. I don't think Robert Woods has that in this point in his career. I think Traylon Burks does. So even if Robert Woods ends up somehow out-targeting Traylon Burks, which it could happen, I would still want Traylon Burks because of the
0: low-volume passing offense. I want the guy that can hit the big plays. Woods has basically no touchdown ceiling. And another problem that I think is going a little bit under the radar, like Sean McVay really used Robert Woods in that run game. No, mm-hmm. it wasn't the Debo Samuel role. Wide receivers are allowed to get rush attempts and not line up at running back. It was always these quick little um, fly sweeps, you know, just immediate snap, yes, turn around, yes, yes. hand the ball to him. And get going. So 19 carries, 17 carries, 24 carries, even had eight carries in just nine games last year before injury. So that was a solid extra, you know, 20, 25 points sometimes per year that I just don't think are going to be on the table in Tennessee. Maybe they give them, you know, a couple throughout the year, but legitimately, like among wide receivers and just getting the rock, it was Robert Woods, Tyreek Hill, and uh, Curtis Samuel. I don't even consider Cordero Patterson in that group, but you can throw him in there if you want. Those are the only guys like getting even like, you know, 15, 20 carries per year at wide receiver. Obviously, Debo uh cracked that group as well. So, you know, we there are a couple guys, but I don't think Woods is going to really have that anymore. Uh yeah, I, I will not be prioritizing Woods even in round eight. Burks in round eight, absolutely sign me up. Indianapolis yeah, Colts wide receiver Alec Pierce in round two, tight end Jelani Woods, the massive Jelani Woods in round three, another tight end Andrew Ogletree in round six. Yeah, I mean, good news for these running backs is that there's not a third party involved. Any sort of, how worried are you potentially about Naeem Hines being a little more involved this year, Dwayne? None. I mean, we did see, I think Jonathan Taylor's, what he was able to do the whole season, particularly the second half, I think overshadowed the fact that wasn't the hottest start, man. He did not did not hit a 60% snap rate until week six last season, which is just hilarious to think about. Naeem Hines, his contract is worth $18.6 million. You know, that's more per year than Eckler, than Edmonds, or just a little bit less than Fournette Connor over the course of the whole deal. We did get that, you know, bit of coach speak from Frank Reich talking about Naeem Hines. Do you think this could be just a little bit more split up? Because again, if we are going to use the number one running back pick on Jonathan Taylor, I prefer if there's not going to be a second running back you know even remotely involved in the offense
1: yeah it's going to be a question you're you're but you're buying into the ceiling you've already seen from jonathan taylor yeah i I do think naheem hines is going to be involved i think he could be more involved than he was last season but jonathan taylor is so good and this team is so committed to running the ball that's the difference it's it's very similar to what we see with derrick henry in tennessee Whether they're trailing, whether they're leading, whether they're in a close game, they don't care. They will keep running the football, and that is how you insulate a guy that that doesn't get a lot of the passing down work. That, and you have to be a badass, and he also plays behind a good (laughs) offensive line. So, really, he's like Derrick Henry. Like, this is Derrick Henry from three years ago. Um, You know, three years ago, I know Derrick Henry was just really hitting the scene, Um, but – you're, you're counting on the big rushing production, a little bit more involvement than what you get from Derrick Henry in the passing game. Like Jonathan Taylor's more of a plus in the passing game than Henry is. Um, but you're, you're counting on the touchdowns. You're counting on the big plays and you're counting on them to just feed in because no matter what, they're not going to let someone push them off of. This is what we do. This is this is our identity, which is heavily running the football no matter what. So that's what that's what protects Jonathan Taylor. Um, that's the difference between him. Well, he's he's a badass, obviously, but that's the difference between him and like say, um Najee. Even a even a Joe Mixon. Like Najee though, Najee's not as explosive, but we know he's gonna get the passing down work, right? Not if Najee was explosive as Jonathan Taylor, he'd be the number one back in all of fantasy football, but he's yep. not. He doesn't make the same plays. Um, but like Joe Mixon, right, is a good example. Uh, Joe Mixon, like, is really got the same role as Jonathan Taylor and loses passing down work. But they're not as committed, you know, to the run across all kind of game scripts. Um, and they shouldn't be. They're the Bengals. They have, you know, they've got an offense built to pass. They should be doing the opposite. So that's what
0: protects Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor, my overall RB1 as well. But you know what, Dwayne? We, we still got... Two, three months until most people are doing their drafts. So, yeah, I'm going to try to ask questions and make sure we got this shit right. You know, great day to be great after all. With the tight end room, Mo Cox is going to be the loser. He got that three-year, I believe, $18 million deal. Things were looking up. But drafting Jelani Woods with a day-two pick almost just – you know, cements that they're going to be using Mo Alley Cox, Jelani Woods, and even Kylan Grayson uh, regularly in this committee. And honestly, man, I think we're maybe holding on to like the Frank Reich Eagle days a little bit too much. Like I looked up the Colts last year and they were 27th in overall targets to tight ends but they're a run first offense. So I thought, Hey, Ian, maybe you should use the target share rate, give them some credit. Even then, man, I have pulled up on the screen, every single team's running back wide receiver, tight end target share from last year, the Colts were just at 21%, man, like really league average and how much they were throwing the ball to the tight ends. So they're a run first offense that utilizes three tight ends and we're not even seeing them feed the tight ends to the same point as like actually the Browns or the Broncos were. So no, not taking that leap of faith in Mo Alley Cox. We are crossing him off the late round tight End radar. I hope I'm wrong. The guy's a lot of fun to watch. I man, imagine being a defender and getting double teamed by Mo alley Cox and Jelani Woods, Dwayne. I think you know <laughs> the person might just like cease to exist um in this universe that uh that, that 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 we know. But yeah, not gonna be touching these uh tight ends here. Houston Texans, John Messi, wide receiver out of Alabama in round two, running back Damian Pierce out of Florida in round four, tight end Tegan. Dude, these tight end names, it's like they're just auto-generated off like a Madden game at this point. Tegan <laughs> Quatoriano in round five. Davis Mills, a winner by default for now, just because he's projected to start 17 games. We there have been some rumblings though about the Texans maybe being in the Jimmy Garoppolo Baker Mayfield sweepstakes. So don't need to talk Why? too much don't about do that guys. What's the point? Don't Jesus. need to talk too much about Davis uh Mills. Nico Collins is a loser with Mechie now potentially <laughs> Loser with this, not a loser in real life. I'm sorry, Nico. No, I, no, you, like, just you just know call
1: I you. a loser. <laughs> like, he's going to destroy you someday. We're going to meet in Cox, and I'm just going to be like videoing on my phone Ian getting pummeled.
0: That's gonna be like uh th- that's gonna be like that hilarious uh Charles Barkley story where like he threw the guy like through a bar window. Like that's gonna be Mo Alley Cox just tossing my ass.
1: Dwayne uh, running into help and he just gets like a stiff arm off to the side.
0: I-, I think we're done with Nico Collins, man, even as like a dart. Like he had every chance last year to do anything in this wide open offense, wasn't able to. He is, you know, he has sixty-six point one PF receiving grade. I believe sixty-five is your threshold where like if you can't hit sixty-five, it's not gonna happen. He barely hit that but I'm just not feeling it with Mechie there I think the question Dwayne is what do we make of Damian Pierce you know Kevin Cole came out with some good stuff talking about his uh, running backs and opportunity scores now based on the landing spots and draft capital and you know Damian Pierce was my RB4 before the draft and I think I'm gonna hold steady there only guys that I think you could talk into having a better chance at putting up big numbers in 2022 are Brees Hall Kenneth Walker and James Cook. Like, I will take Pierce ahead of, you know, the Spillers and the Rashad Whites of the world who I just think are not going to have the same sort of opportunity to take over their backfield. Not a given. We got Marlon Mack, Rex Burkhead there. We just saw this damn Texans offense spend all of last season using freaking four running backs uh, for a good portion of the time. But Pierce, Dwayne, he checks a lot of those boxes. The only problem we had in college was that he didn't have enough volume to really just put up the sort of numbers to maybe get him drafted as a day one or day two back. But now we might have that volume in the NFL.
1: Yeah, I have Damian Pierce as my RB 36 right now. Ooh. So, um, you know, I, I think he, he needs to be at least in your your RB three range somewhere. So um, because of like this, the, the landing spot is so good from an opportunity standpoint. Quality of offense, not probably going to be very good. But, you know, there's there's a real chance that And when you look at the rest of the depth chart, like Rex Burkhead, like, really, do we do we have to keep they could <laughs> they could keep using him. But, like, when I look at that, I look at Marlon Mack, you know, he's coming off the Achilles injury that, you know, he was back last year but didn't play very much. Um, and there's a really good chance that Damian Pierce ends up handling 60 70% of this workload. I think at a minimum, like, he's going to get probably 40 to 50%. You know, why not? What else do they have to lose? Like, you're not going to be a very good team. You want to see what you have in the player. Um, you want to inject some, you know, some some speed into your offense. I think he's definitely going to be a player that we're going to be wanting to target. Like I'm just looking, trying to find him real quick right now over here on FFPC. We have got Damian Pierce going off the board as RB. He's going around ten as RB fifty-four right now. Oh my Um, God! Let's go. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, Damian Pierce. yeah, buy him now. If you're drafting right now, you should be drafting Damian Pierce. Absolutely. So it's kind of weird. I don't know what's going on with that data, but it does show Damian Pierce going in round
0: ten. So that's a disconnect. Yeah,
1: I'm I'm about, about least to say from with the
0: fifties, I would have thought that'd yeah. be below forty don't know and know people before you ask we don't care about this texans offense being shit did it matter for naji harris playing behind that terrible steelers offensive line last year no was james robinson just the most generational player ever on that terrible jaguars team of course not look at todd Gurley as a rookie on the jeff fisher rams who jared goff could barely complete a forward pass but todd Gurley was still out there ripping off big runs Daniel Pierce can take over this backfield. He is going to be like, you know, Dwayne, RB36 RB where you have him is fine. If he is the starting Texans running back and he's getting 60 70% He'll be of the RB weekly two. snaps, he will be an RB2. Got to love that. Jacksonville Jaguars, just one skill position player picked. Our running back Sco- Snoop, excuse me, Snoop Connor round five. <laughs> biggest winner i mean i'm happy they didn't add another wide receiver to this group i don't really think connor as a round five back is going to impact travis Etienne or james robinson obviously pending both players health what are we doing at wide receiver tight end if anything we got christian kirk zay jones marvin jones then we got LaBisca Schnall, laquan trebwell even jamal agnew slash swagnew obviously evan ingram is there as well a funny part with ingram over his last two seasons Dwayne 182 targets 109 catches, just 1,062 yards and four touchdowns. Like with Evan Ingram, we saw it in the past of him flashing a little bit, but man, he has had the opportunities over the last two years. I'm not so sure I want to just fully write that off as Jason Garrett and Daniel Jones. The fact that he he barely got 1,000 yards at 182 targets, four touchdowns. Come on, man. Like where are these wide receivers going and who are you most comfortable with? Is it Christian Kirk? I mean, they did pay him an absurd amount of money. Yeah. I mean, Christian
1: Kirk's going to be the first guy coming off the board, you know, in drafts, but it's tough to get hyper excited about him. I mean, he's already really had a chance, you know, with Kyler Murray and, and and they did from time to time, you know, Kirk could blow up a box score, but it was just hard for it to be consistent. Um, so there's just so many mouths to feed. We need Trevor Lawrence to take a step forward. Kirk right now is going around 10. So I don't know how much of him I'm going to have. I mean, because there's also, I'm probably going to take Christian Watson, Chris Olave. Over him, definitely taking Sky Moore and Garrett Wilson over him. Jamison Williams, like people haven't quite dialed in to the fact that, like, we may not have Jamison Williams at the beginning beginning of the season. So I think he'll slide a little bit as drafts go. But right now, actually, Jamison is going um, ahead of Garrett Wilson, Sky Moore, Alan Lazard, Russ Wilson, Chris Olave. Then you get Christian Watson. Then you get Christian Kirk. So, I mean, that's fine. You take the young upset guys, and then after they're gone, you want to take a swing on Kirk in a new role. Um, you know, with the Jaguars potentially being their top option. I, I just don't know that I see a situation in, and I'm it could happen, but I just don't see Kirk turning into this 25, 30% target share guy. Like I just, you know, targets per route run are not high enough over his career. It's nice. Yards per route run are nice, not great. So I, I, fi- I feel like we've already got a good beat on Christian Kirk on who he is. And he's a nice player, but he got overpaid. And now, you know, 10th round isn't terrible, but like, I, it's not somebody like that I'm just dying to draft. Honestly, I would rather take some of the other guys later and I'm not probably gonna be taking them and very often in best ball. It's gonna be more managed leagues where, okay, great. I'll take the swing. All of a sudden done work in the first couple of weeks. I'll just dump it.
0: Is it time to just, I mean, bro, what are we investing in Trevor Lawrence for this year? Because a bunch of people called him a generational prospect like 18 months ago. This but is I terrible.
1: Just, I, yeah, I think it's just because they, they did
0: add players. <laughs> No, no, but like I this is know. the worst way possible. They overpaid right. it for a bunch I of really mid-wide mean. receivers. Like look, here, here, dude, yes. Kirk Zay Jones, Marvin Jones versus Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore and Corey Davis. Like yes. I think Corey Davis would be the wide receiver one in Jacksonville.
1: I think he would be too. I'm not even going to argue with it. Yeah. It's uh it's going to be a spread it around offense. So from that standpoint, at least you can have three or four weapons on the field that together, right. We'll call them. We'll call them weapons. Okay. If you have a really good, yeah. Okay. You're like, no, no, we're not allowed to do that. I'll immediately be reprimanded. Like if they can scheme it up. Right. And remember Doug Peterson's offense has never been a heavy funnel offense. They like to spread it around to all the guys. So I think that's what you're going to see here. You're going to see a lot of guys between 15 and 20% of the targets. I don't think you're going to see a true person step up and be like a 25% target share guy. But it could work for Trevor Lawrence. Like at least if you have four decent decent options on the field, it's better than what he dealt with last year because of all the injuries and everything that happened. He basically had one. And it was Marvin Jones. I know Vizca haters come at me. Just bring it. (laughs)
0: Looking at Doug Peterson was not – what was he even doing? Didn't do anything in 2021. <laughs> what that's, was he doing? We'll, well, we'll up. We'll
1: get him on the show. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I just remember, man, it was funny. I used to listen to uh, Michael Lombardi all the time um, when he was doing GM Street back at uh, the Ringer. And he just would rip Peterson um, – really up through 2016, 2017, obviously Peterson got his Super Bowl win, but Reed's point was like, he just took the Kansas, like Andy Reed's playbook and was like using that in Philadelphia. And I think Peterson got that Super Bowl championship and rightfully, you know, of course he's not a bad coach. He won a freaking Super Bowl. Like no one can ever take that away from him, nor should they, but let's face it, man, the next four years, for the Wentz experiment to go as bad as it did afterwards. And, yeah. okay, like Nick Foles had an awesome five-game stretch, but we clearly didn't see that replicated. I don't really think any of these pieces in Jacksonville are uh, necessarily going to be nah. worth a damn, yeah, sad, yeah. sad joint. I mean, you
1: are banking on, uh, if you loved Lawrence, the, he he takes a step forward,
0: which is in the range of outcomes. And the beauty is you don't have to pay a high price for Trevor Lawrence or really any of these receivers. Yeah. So. I, I guess my overarching point that I wanted to end that with is like, Trevor Lawrence last year's situation was terrible. Are, are we so sure this one is like that much better? Yeah, not having Urban Meyer that's that's fantastic, but uh, I'm also not sure that Urban Meyer was the one calling plays and developing you know Lawrence on a day to day practice anyway. But all right, AFC West, Kansas City Chiefs, Sky Moore wide receiver round two, obviously getting you know Sky Moore and James Cook just landing spots. Uh, you know, I was. Uh, I showed you the dynasty uh, tweet earlier, Dwayne, the 1.09 cutoff. And someone, you know, just asking questions, talking balls. Someone brought up like the Sky more and James Cook moves feel like a, maybe a little bit too landing spot dependent. They're like, are we making the same mistake we made with Clyde Edwards Alaire over Jonathan Taylor? My points were. Both these guys, Sky Moore and James Cook, were good. They're good prospects, man. These are not guys that were like completely out of the top, you know, five, six conversation to begin with. I mean, PFF had Sky Moore as a top 30 player ahead of guys like Traylon Burks, even. And you look at James Cook, and we all saw the pass down ability and the landing spots, like, yeah, they're good. No, they are spectacular. Best case scenario. Bills and the Chiefs, arguably the two best offenses in the NFL and to actually have the available opportunity in each, particularly for Sky Moore. I do think they weren't, you know, getting that nice landing spot boost, even in dynasty land. So with that said, though, we've already talked about Sky a bit, you know, on our draft review podcast. Yeah. Biggest winners got to be Clyde Hilaire and Ronald Jones. Not a single running back was added. The RB3 is Derek Gore. Now, maybe some of you, the only game you watched all year was that Sunday night first half where Derek Gore had like 10 carries in a single drive, left up in the top of the waiver wire next week. They did not use Derek Gore all season. Long after that, it was Daryl Williams or Derek McKinnon. Maybe McKinnon is still a free agent. I believe Daryl is too. He might have signed somewhere. Maybe they come back. If not, Dwayne. It's not like Andy Reid stopped calling plays for running backs. Over the past two seasons, Chiefs running backs, number one in total routes run, 12th in overall targets. The problem was Clyde wasn't getting them. Daryl Williams and Jerick McKinnon were getting them. We can say the targets were earned. I sure as hell know that Ronald Jones is not going to be earning those targets away from Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Last year, Clyde Edwards-Alaire was the RB 29 in PPR points per game. In 2020, he was RB 25. That was not good because we were all drafting him as a top, you know, Five freaking running back by the time 2020 came around. And last season, he was still usually in most people's top 15, top 16. We can buy Clyde Edwards helaire at his floor, Dwayne. He is the lead back and arguably the best offense in the NFL. Are we that convinced that CEH sucks bad enough to blow this opportunity?
1: Yeah, CEH has been pretty terrible. But to your point, like the price is fine. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, where are going to It's finally him? fine. Yeah, you're going to be able to get him in the seventh round right now of, of drafts. So, I mean, like, I think you definitely want to have some exposure to him. Is he going to be a, a player that, like, you know, I'm doing a huge flag plant on or something like that? No, no. But I, I definitely I agree with you. He's actually uh, he's a sixth round pick right now. Um, but I mean, Clyde Edwards, Alaire at round six, pick three. Um, and you got A.J. Dillon, Damian Harris, Kenneth Walker all going after him. Um, I'm fine with it because of what you just mentioned. Like, I feel like he's got to be the guy they're going to use in the passing game more. My 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 big issue though is like Juju Smith-Schuster works a similar area of the field. You know, about a you know Juju like in his a dot or whatever the hell it is. You know, he's going to be in a similar range. You're going to have Skymore uh, competing for additional targets outside. Uh, but again, Tyreek Hill's gone, so overall, like they could just spread, you know, those targets around. There could be a little bit more go to the backfield, and if 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 there are targets going to the backfield, I think if we had to place a bet today, who's going to get those? I think you're right. It becomes Clyde Edwards-Helaire. I think you could argue, Ian, actually, that it might be better for Clyde Edwards-Helaire if they just gave Ronald Jones like most for the most part the first and second down roll and just let Clyde Edwards-Alaire handle all the upbeat two-minute offense all the long down and distance you know anytime they just want to go pass heavy you know they're in a trailing mode like Edwards-Alaire just becomes the dude and then only gets like you know 150 carries right again more of like an Alvin Kamara type role you keep the load off of him you you get him in space in the receiving game he is a decent route runner like he can run, he can run the Texas route, and he can, you know, like the one we got to throw out here every day. Like he can run the angle routes, the bullets, the wheels. Yeah, he's not as fast, but he's a solid player um, out of the backfield. So I think that's honestly his path to really turning in a good fantasy season uh, would be, you know, something like that. And Sky Moore, round 10, man. I know we're not going to talk about him. We already talked about him, but right now, still going in round 10. He's going to rise. Sky Moore will probably end up going right after Drake, London, Traylon Burks by the time we get into August. So if you are doing best ball drafts right now, or you're overdrafting over on FFPC, doing their football guys player championship stuff, like get your arms around Sky now. The price is going to go up. Ronald Jones over under
0: 200 touches this year.
1: Under. I'd say 175-ish. Be a better line. Okay.
0: But, yeah. but close,
1: I think close, you know, look, th- that's the biggest thing with Edwards Alaire, and it is priced in like we've just when you can't beat out a guy named Daryl Williams and Jarrett McKinnon, like yeah. man, it makes it tough to get bought in. It's not like he was behind, you know, um, you know, an Alvin Kamara or, a, you know, even like a, a Joe Mixon or someone like that. Like he he was behind guys he should have been able to he should have been able to overtake. But he is
0: affordable now, and that's why we are not. He is affordable, really
1: and he was. All, he's also been pretty much hurt his whole career. He's either yep. had a knee or an ankle injury bothering him all the time.
0: Don't play the hair. Don't hate the player. Just hate the ADP. Right now, we do not hate Clyde's ADP at all. Biggest loser. Got to be Juju. Like. What are we doing with Juju still as a top 36? I thought MBS arguably should have been ranked higher than Juju to begin with. The ceiling I don't think is there. Like, it comes down to a similar thing with, like, Deontay Johnson, but even worse, man. Like, Deontay does pop in a handful of stats, and, you know, he does have some good yak abilities, breaking some tackles, and the PFF receiving grade is still pretty good. Juju, it's like... Good freaking luck, man. Last two seasons, 78 wide receivers have at least 100 targets. Juju is 71st in PFF receiving grade, 73rd in yards per outrun, dead last in yards per reception. And, yeah, some of that is, you know, the microscopic dot that Dwayne was making fun of a couple minutes ago. But, man, Dwayne, like, Juju as a rookie in his second year, like, I remember him as a rookie taking that crosser against the Patriots yeah. and busting it for, like, 70 11. yards. 11, yeah, yeah, looking like mm-hmm. one of the better wide receivers with the ball in his hands have not seen that guy. And maybe it's TikTok, but I don't think it's like just losing Antonio Brown from the offense like they were it wasn't like juju was just getting completely like wide open like he was earning a lot of those yards during the first two seasons with his goodness after the catch haven't seen that and probably the best answer is injuries i mean the dude has been constantly banged up like even dating back i think like week two or three of the first season without a b in the picture you put in some you know declining quarterback play and it hasn't been a great situation for juju but my god Dwayne, like that contract he got is nothing it's just what, three million is only guaranteed on it. There's a chance that Juju doesn't freaking start. What if it's MVS, Sky Moore, and Miko? Yeah, I
1: don't, I think Juju will start. And I think where he's going in drafts, like I get what people are doing. I just don't, I don't know that there's a ton of upside. Like, like we've tried to paint this picture for multiple years, right? Of okay, just get the third guy in the offense with Patrick Mahomes. You know, it's just not necessarily worked out. Now, he could be the second guy. He could be the third. He could be the fourth. We don't know as far as the pecking order. I do think he'll be on the field for the majority of the routes. But the thing you mentioned, targets per route run, that breakout year in 2018, 24%. Here are all of his other seasons, including his rookie year, 18%, 18%, 19%, 17%. I think we know what Juju Smith-Schuster is. He is not a huge difference maker that's going to demand the ball. That's still a nice number. That's That's not terrible but it's not good. It's not, it's, it's average for a starting receiver where he's at. Now you're in a pass heavy offense. Yeah, you do have Patrick Mahomes. So there's some upside there with touchdowns. So I think he's going to still probably finish right around. He'll be a wide receiver three, even at a 19% target per route run, because he's going to play an offense that's going to throw the ball plenty of the time and he gets an upgraded quarterback. So I think that's enough. But I, I do think there is also this kind of cult following of Juju because he broke out at such an early age. He was so young. I mean, he was only 22 years old whenever he had that huge season in 2018. And so now like, Oh, can he get that magic back? I don't think we're ever going to see that yards per route run. Also the same thing, a 2.8 that year. And since then point eight eight So, Look, take him as what he is. I don't think he has the upside that people thinks that people think that he has. I would I would rather draft Sky Moore in round ten all day than Juju Smith Schuster in round six.
0: Yeah, uh, freaking twenty times out of ten. <laughs> I don't even look, twenty like, times out of ten. Yes, <laughs> yeah, like it's dude. So, and so, look, like, he's he's he's. <laughs> demanded the targets and everything, but my God, seeing the performance get as bad as it did, like some of that, maybe he was earning those targets in 2021 because of what he did in 2018, 2019, you know what I'm saying? But he like, hasn't
1: demanded the targets that much compared to other receivers that like we've talked about, like he's nowhere near Deontay Johnson. He's nowhere near yeah. a T Higgins. He's nowhere close to a Keenan Allen. Like he's not in the same stratosphere as these other players we really like. Now, when you get to the tier he's in, Marquise Brown demands the ball way more than he does. Um, on a targets per route basis, you know, like four or five percentage points above. And you're getting him after Juju goes. Mike Williams around the same range, but also has a good quarterback and has much more big play ability. And we saw a brief stretch early last season of, wow, there could be this alpha Mike Williams that we didn't know, and it's a more recent sample. Um, Elijah Moore, way bigger on targets per route run, way bigger on yards per route run. Cortland Sutton, also better than Juju Smith-Schuster. So everybody that's going around him, their underlying metrics rank better than what juju has so basically what you're buying into he is what he is
0: but i like the offense i mean just that's what you're saying mbs is making three times as much money as juju smith schuster this year let follow the money I, I dude if i was ranking this these was if i'm projecting these I've wide receivers
1: MBS that.
0: but they did i know it was dumb but they did like dude if i was projecting fantasy points for these wide receivers i would put juju third in this offense
1: Yeah, but you even did the article, like, how much does the contract really matter for these receivers? Because Marquez Vallis-Scantley's got the same problem. Here are his targets per route run. He's never even done what Juju's done, 14%, 16%, 13%, 16%. And, oh, by the way, he got to play with freaking Aaron Rodgers in an offense that needed a number two receiver every one of those years. The when is the single biggest target hog in the league. It doesn't matter. Good players end up working their way in. You know, it's like they, they, De, Devonte could have had a 30 percent target share and there could have still been room for a guy to have 20 percent if they were good enough to demand it.
0: Marquise do you think Juju is better than MBS in the year 2022? Yeah, I do. Wow. I don't I, do. I don't yeah. win. I think Marquis
1: Valdez-Scantling is going to be outside. He's going to be the field stretcher. I'm not excited about either one of them. Like if you tell me I got to pick one, like based on ADP, like, hey, let's not hate the player. Let's hate the ADP. I don't like Juju's ADP compared to Marquis Valdez-Scantling. I'm not that excited about either one of them. I will have Sky
0: Moore rostered to the moon. About to say the answer to Juju versus MBS Sky more Sky more. No, Las Vegas Raiders. They took running back Zemir White in the fourth round. Running back Britton Brown in the seventh. If anything, wide receiver, tight end rooms. I think are winning. You could argue Derek Carr, someone we've you know talked about in that Kirk Cousins tier. I'll just say, man, like if you look at, and I I did a player A versus player B, who's that Pokemon type of challenge uh, on my Twitter? And it was Derek Carr versus Dak Prescott, nearly identical numbers. And you know, I just did two players, but Patrick Mahomes' numbers these last two years awfully close to Carr and Prescott in terms a pff grade yards per attempt completion rate and even the average target depth so Derek carr like really does deserve to you know he's anyone's idea of an above average quarterback and adding someone like Devontae adams uh i wouldn't put it past him to have a potential peak season The biggest loser though by far Josh Jacobs, like, this is, I, I think we can almost put him in that Damon Harris tier, Dwayne. Look what Josh McDaniels is doing with the Raiders. He's like, it's like the Patriots and Raiders are battling it out to see who can have the largest running back committee in the entire NFL. Drake, I'm excuse me, Jacobs. It's going to be the starter, just like Damon Harris is. But after that, they restructured Kenyon Drake's contract before free agency. He's not going to get cut. Like, he's coming back. Zamir White's a fourth-round pick. He now potentially profiles as the 2023 starter. Not locked in. We just saw the sap with Michael Carter, only fourth-round draft capital. but. Still, he has that skill set looking at it. And the fact that they didn't pick up Josh Jacobs' fifth-year option shows that he's not the running back of the future. And, oh, yeah, we also have Brandon Bolden and freaking Amir Abdullah to potentially take passing downs. There is a chance that Jacobs, Drake, and Zamir White are kind of splitting the rush attempts while one of Bolden or Amir Abdullah comes in on passing downs. Like, name 40 wide receivers, Dwayne. I'll probably want each and every one of them ahead of Josh Jacobs this year.
1: Yeah, I've got Jacobs ranked as my RB 27. That's seven spots below ADP. I've got him as, you know, a committee lead. <laughs> you know, I need to say that like in a very like monotone <laughs> way. But, you know, it's, it's it is what it is. You know, he's going to have a lot of competition. I don't really want to deal with it. The offense could be better. But like when you when you're going to have a kind of rotation that McDaniels is going to use and it's coming, folks, like he's used it his whole career. Um, So it's going to be there. And uh, I think that means the least work for Josh Jacobs that we've seen in his career. Um, I think this will be the least amount of touches he's had
0: on on a per game basis. Right. He's had injuries and stuff. So I think you did a great job uh, with your tears. You do a great job with everything, Dwayne, but uh, with this article, like he, he is a committee lead, but let's face it. There's a difference between the Cowboys and chiefs committee compared to, you know, the Patriots and Raiders. And accordingly you have Zeke and Clyde, you know, ahead of it, but, Man, we've said this before, and I'll say it again. Like, we can live with two running back committees, but once we get to three, God forbid, four, uh, it's just going to take a lot for Josh Jacobs to get there. He's kind of got that Antonio, a little bit similar to Antonio Gibson, where I'm not doubting like Jacobs is capable of working across all three downs. He was a nice, like you know, RB one, RB two down the stretch.
1: Honestly, like, and again, like, we're still fine tuning these things, but I would take Miles Sanders over Josh Jacobs, like, just because right. Sanders, I, I, I think there is a path that. He could be out there
0: 65%. (laughs) Like, it could happen. I just don't see it with Josh Jacobs. I do not either. All right. We have reached, I believe, the last team. The Los Angeles. Oh, two more. Los Angeles Superchargers draft picks. Running back Isaiah Spiller in round four and also running back, maybe more of a fullback, Xander Horvath in round seven. What about Gerald Everett? Dwayne talked about him a little bit yesterday. I do think he's in that conversation with the late round tight ends. We want to look at him Irv Smith, uh, Hayden Hurst, Tyler Higby and Robert Tunyon were the five. We ended up saying kind of have that chance to be a 2022 version of what Dawson Knox was for everyone in 2021. And with Everett, two year, twelve million dollar deal. He's got eight million of fully guaranteed money. I mean, last year they only gave Jared Cook washed a one-year, $4.5 million deal. And he got 83 targets out of that, despite splitting snaps with Donald Parham and Steven Anderson. I'm, I would take Irv Smith and Tyler Higby. I think, ahead of Gerald Everett because we, I'm way more confident in them, like rarely leaving the field. But if you look at Everett, you could argue that he hasn't ever got it done over the course of a whole season. But when we start talking through it, he was splitting time with Tyler Higby. Then he comes to Seattle. Once Russell Wilson returned weeks 10 through 18, Gerald Everett was the overall tight end eight. Gerald Everett outscored Kyle Pitts weeks 10 through 18 last season. Maybe more of an indictment on Kyle Pitts than anything there. But Gerald Everett was doing, you know, being a low-end tight end one there. He's in that tight end two range. How interested are you in Gerald Everett, man? Because if we do get an MVP-esque season out of Justin Herbert, it wouldn't be that shocking to see his tight end flirt with 10 touchdowns.
1: No, I I like Gerald Everett. Um, Targets per route run over the last three seasons, 22%, 21%. Last year it was a little lower at 17%. But his yards per route run, 1.65 or 1.46. So we've seen him – We've seen him get up not to like the Kelsey, um, Gronk, you know Pitts, Waller thresholds, but the threshold just below that, right? He's been at those levels, you know, so he could be somewhere like a a, a Schultz, right? He could surprise people, and he's a better athlete than Dalton Schultz is. So, yeah, he is a guy that I like. Um, I think he's clearly the third or fourth target on his team. That's the problem, right? Yeah. The Pecking order is Keenan Allen. And then it's probably Mike Williams. Next is probably Eckler then it's gerald everett and running back tight end combos unless used in a very specific manner a lot of times like they can really take away from one another the good thing is everett can stretch the seam he can get vertical Um, and then so that means that you could use him and austin eckler still together right you have austin eckler really attacking the linebacker underneath and then you got you know um everett getting over the top like to the safety so i think there's schematically you know an opportunity for him to flash i just worry like really how big of a role can he Can he carve out? Uh, Again, this is another player that you're betting on. Nice talent profile and a good offense. Not going to probably get the target share we want, but he could come through and surprise us and say, like,
0: what if he scores eight touchdowns, right? That could happen for Joe Everett. And again, that's the common factor with these guys I'm listing. Gerald Everett, we're catching passes from Justin Herbert. Hayden Hurst has Burrow. Irv Smith has Kirk Cousins. Tyler Higbee has Matthew Stafford. Robert Tunyon has Aaron Rodgers. Like, yes, there is enhanced target competition for these guys. That's why they're not being ranked as top 12 tight ends. That's also why they might have a chance of making the most out of those looks. Again, I mean, Jared Cook, 83 targets last year really surprised me because I knew they were splitting it up with him, Donald Parham, and Steven Anderson. So I kind of just faded the idea. See, R- Ruby knows like she's she, she's uh you know Ruby right now that is ruby <laughs> R- 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 ruby's taking uh all this into account but like i remember kind of <laughs> right i wrote off this tight end room because they were using three guys but then like jared cook would like just not do anything with like eight targets and i kind of you know i like, take a sigh of relief so we'll see uh how much Gerald everett can take that role finer team final team oh, sorry, hey, real one quick one real one quick one. on the charters. so yeah i want to talk about spiller. the running back yes yes good.
1: spiller um i have moved spiller into the high-end handcuff range so i've got alexander madison then i've got isaiah spiller Khalil herbert is in there and i went ahead and i this could change but i've got rashad white in there for now um but i really like spiller in that range and the reason why i like we've seen roundtree wasn't good we've seen joshua kelly wasn't Wasn't good. good the only backup that's been decent is justin jackson he's not on the team anymore the other thing to remember was spiller you know, a really good dual threat profile, really, if you wanted to say, okay, who was the number one dual threat profile in the, in the class, it was definitely Brees Hall, but Spiller would be second if that's the way you're categorizing them. So it's a guy that showed early on in his career that he could catch some passes out of the backfield. He could also carry some of the low rushing. He, he, he was involved as a freshman at Texas A&M. So this is not a guy that just came on late. He was actually involved very early at an SEC school coming out into the draft early. Yeah, he bombed the pro day and all those things. But you know what? If, 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 if you looked at the pro day and if the combine never happened, which they're overrated. Those things are overrated. And so if you look at it, like if those things never happened, like Isaiah Spiller wouldn't have fallen this far. Like he probably would have been a second or a third round pick. Uh, but the NFL gets so over infatuated, you know, with this 40 time. Um, and, and so we see guys like this. And I so I like the profile. I like the landing spot because if something does happen to Austin Eckler, he's the only one. I'm not guaranteeing that he's going to get this, um, but he's the only one on there on the team to me that profiles as a guy. You got to actually come in handle passing down duties and handle the rushing duties.
0: I don't think Kelly or Roundtree are capable enough receivers to get that. No, so maybe it would, not. maybe it would devolve into just this kind of muddled three RB committee, but we didn't see last year in the one game that Eckler missed Justin Jackson spot start 11 carries nine targets in a gaudy 72, 73% snap rate out there. I agree. Spiller is, I think the best candidate to be
1: Spiller ever. and Rashad white, both 11th round picks right now. FFPC oh. drafts.
0: That's all. I mean, they're going like, where's Pollard and Dylan going way, way hard.
1: Uh, yeah, Pollard is going round eight, A.J. Dillon round six. I know.
0: Now, again, those
1: guys have the, those, guys have the conting- those Yeah, they have standalone value. Not so much in the redraft, though. Like, I don't want to be trying to pick the week that Tony Pollard is going to score fantasy points, right? I'm fine if he's on my best ball roster and he blows up on his, you know, ten touches <laughs> and he scores two touchdowns. That's great because I don't have to pick when that's going to happen. So I like Pollard. And even AJ Dillon a little more in best ball than I do in redraft. Dylan is a little less risky, and that's obviously, you know, it's represented in his ADPs going two rounds above Pollard. Um, you know, he's probably gonna handle forty to maybe even fifty percent, you know, of the team's rushing attempts. So I mean, I think with him, there's even more uh standalone value than Pollard, but I think Obviously, both of them, if for some reason their back in front of them went down, uh, really any of the backs we just named, like if the back in front of them goes down, then everything's equalized. Like Alexander Madison is worth just as much as A.J. Dillon or Pollard if Dalton Cook goes down.
0: Last team here, Denver Broncos in the third round took tight end Greg Dolchich wide receiver montrell washington in round five montrell washington is a return specialist so we don't have to feel too bad for him joining uh this loaded wide receiver room hopefully should be able to carve out a role just fine biggest you know veteran winner again just the running back wide receiver rooms if anything but big talk Dwayne is alberto before this podcast i went on i watched all i believe 11 of his career receptions that went more than 10 yards as I pulled it up, I saw the PFF receiving grade. My God, it's like 6th or 7th in the NFL over the past two seasons. I watched the film, Dwayne. I don't think Alberto is anything special. I'll come out here and say it loud and proud. He had, yeah, that one play against the Eagles where he busted for about 60 yards. Two defenders took each other out, like, trying to tackle. Like, it wasn't like he made this sick move. He caught the ball as two defenders were trying to deflect it, and they ran into each other. So there's nobody else there. That was kind of the trend, man. It's a lot of wide-open passes. Easy cross was over the middle, and he got an occasional good throw from Drew Locke or more likely Teddy Bridgewater out there. He has 55 career targets. He has played more than 60% of the snaps one time. The new regime, Nathaniel Hackett, what did he do in Green Bay? He used multiple tight ends all the freaking time. Even Robert Tunyon, who's scoring double-digit touchdowns, couldn't play more than 60% snaps more weeks than not in that Green Bay offense. Greg Dolchich has higher draft capital. Why would they take Greg Dolchich with the 80th overall pick if they felt good about Albert O as their number one guy? Hell, even if Albert O is the number one tight end in Denver, he could easily probably should be projected to be the number four pass game option in this offense. Hell, maybe number five, depending on how KJ Hamler's recovery comes along. I do not want to spend a top 12 tight end pick on Albert O, Dwayne. And I know we can put him in that tier and everything. I guess my point is like, in no way will I be reaching for Albert O in like round seven or eight when I can get an Irv Smith type two or three rounds later. That's my, you know, big proclamation here.
1: Yeah, I think it's fine if you don't want to reach for him. Um, But I, I know that with big plays, a lot of times we can see these sort of things for any player. You know, a lot of big plays are the result of like errors by defense. You know, it's one big
0: play. It's that one play, really.
1: It's one play. Here's the thing, though: the targets per route run at twenty eight percent and twenty four percent. Like, even if you want to discount as yards per route run, two point two eight and one point nine four. Like, man, like to me, that's like if I'm going to discount it because I watched the big plays and I think that's cool, but I want to go watch all of Alberto's plays, you know? And so for me, like his targets per route run, um, like it's a, it's a really sticky metric and it looks good. Like it looks like he's on the level with the elite. So for me, I'm going to keep him at the bottom of my, of my tight end one tier. And I agree, like there's a lot of mouths to feed. So who knows what's going to happen, um, with Albert Owen in Denver. And I do think, you know, he's going to be, there's going to be some ups and downs when you have that many mouths to feed. Um, And especially if they want to continue, if they want to continue running the ball as well, which they re you know, they brought Melvin Gordon back to George Avonta Williams. So there's a lot of different things that are going to be going on in the Denver Broncos offense. But again, once I get to that range and I can't necessarily predict how a season is going to be going, like I'm buying into the talent. And and I still think that Alberto is very talented because look over the history of like tight ends, like there's not guys that just flash like this two years in a row and then all of a sudden just suck. You know, could it happen?
0: Yeah. But history says it's really good. I mean, look at how ridiculous these targets were for Denver after they came back. Corlin Sutton was getting like two or three targets per game. That is not happening again. Maybe Albert O was getting fed these targets because he's been playing in a dog shit offense led by terrible quarterbacks who are just dumping it down to him on those play action bootlegs. That was like the only thing Denver even knew how to do. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Look, man, like we can sit here and go back and forth. Like we can break this sort of thing down for every player. Like every player has some dog shit targets. You know, I'm not saying Albert O doesn't have any, but you know what? Like players that are good or sorry, players that are bad. They don't see 28%, 24% targets per route run. They, they yeah, but he wasn't it. even a full-time
0: player that. getting that. Like he was but, getting but targeted a lot of
1: that's why we look at targets per route run. Is because then we're equalizing the playing field. Hey, when you were out there, what the hell did you do? Look, we there. There are all sorts of guys that play on good offenses behind other good players that are seeing that are the third and fourth read um, because the defense is paying attention to everybody else, and they don't have 28% and 24% targets per route run. That's what this number is telling me is that they're figuring out a way to either, A, get the ball, design the ball to Albert O, or he's playing so well that even when he's out there with these other players that are really good, like over the whole sample, not just the big plays, like he's getting targeted. So like for me, I I mean, I'm still bought in on Albert O. Like
0: I I get what you're saying, but like I'm going to lean in, you know, to the data. He seems like the three-point shooter who shoots 50% on four attempts per game. And now we're saying, oh, yeah, he should be fine on eight attempts per game. Why not?
1: Yeah, but, I mean, when I look at him compared to the rest of the guys below, again, when I get to that range, I'm betting on the talent. I'm, where, I'm just going to bet on the talent above. Where is he like, going yeah.
0: right
1: now? In um, FFPC, he is going – now, this is tight end premium, but he's going round nine.
0: So, where does he go amongst the tight ends? Uh, yeah, amongst
1: the tight ends, he is actually – Albert is tight end 12, right where we've got him. He's you got Zach Ertz going in front of him, you got Pat Fryermuth, then you got Albert O, then you got Gronk, then you got Gasecki, then you got Cole Komet. you know, then you got Irv Smith, Noah Fant, Hunter Henry. So that's that's where he's at.
0: Yeah, miss me with all of that, Dwayne. All right, hey, I feel like usually we're on here, we don't have uh, too many different. No, it's good, we need there. to have it. Getting some getting some barks going, not just from Ruby today. How about that?
1: Yeah, I just next, to... for the next pod, I'm going to go watch five plays and use that to represent a player.
0: It was nine, but <laughs> yeah. You're like, yeah, that's you, Dwayne. You better you can take draft. your yeah, uh, four on,
1: add four on to that.
0: Eric Ebron <laughs> ran more routes than uh, Albert O last season, so there's your uh, sample size. There's your sample size for you. All right, First everyone. Noah Fant on the team. We, we can keep going all day, Ian. <laughs> Greg, Greg Dolchich could have more targets than Albert <laughs> this year. Like that's, you could argue that's right. likely. So before Dwayne and I <laughs> cut each other's virtual heads off, we will conclude this edition of the PFF fantasy football podcast. Look at us. I'm, I'm happy we decided to do this two episodes, Dwayne. I, I do love you, but yeah. talking for almost four hours straight might've been a little rough on the, uh, old vocal cords and i got to take these dogs out at some point uh during the day so yeah nfc afc all set we'll be back tomorrow happy hour edition should be good to go and have that stream live we will be drafting a team most likely over at underdog fantasy and i've enjoyed those sessions Joanne. i think we've only done two so far but you know i think kind of using these pods to talk through the players and we'll be doing you know a full team preview series here in a couple weeks where we'll continue to do that use these pods to talk to the players and then actually have the drafts for the strategy and then- And have, you know, some listener questions on Friday. We're covering every damn base, man. Great day to be great.
1: Yep. Great day to be great. Always. Especially, especially for Albert O. And not Dulcich.
0: I was gonna I was gonna <laughs> shout out all your awesome content available on PFF.com. <laughs> no, but no, no, I'm not. So now no one has any idea how to access that. So <laughs> uh, I will have my fantasy ranks fully updated by the end of this week, and we will finally have um those actually uploaded to the rankings tab with PFF. So appreciate the patience, everyone. But should you know it's it's now prime offseason in fantasy land. Uh, we look forward to getting all of you ready to go, win some freaking money, hopefully have a good time doing so. So for Dwayne, I'm the Thanks so much for tuning in the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody.